Dr. Cindy, come here. My knee hurts. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Sunday, August 5th, 2012. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, episode 432. This is No Agenda. Just 60 miles north of the Stargate here in Gitmo Nation underground bases in Denver, Colorado. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where I'm near none of that crap, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. <laughs> you sound like you're half asleep. I feel like I'm half asleep. <laughs> you feel like you're half asleep. Try being at altitude. This stuff is hard. Uh, yeah. So, uh... In the, morning, is, in the morning to you, grumpy pants. In the morning to you, Adam... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, I'll wake you're up right. eventually. You're all right, man. You're okay. Why? I got the wrong number of sleep hours or something. Oh, no. it's You have to have the uneven number, right? Seven. Well, seven is your absolute perfect uh, number of sleep yeah, hours, got, according to seven. the experts. You live longer. I got seven. But I had a really bad night uh, the previous night. I have to say also a hello, good morning, in the morning to all the ships that seen boots on the ground and, and subs in the water. <laughs> and in the morning to the chat room, uh, all of our human resources there, they are lined up, ready to go. Uh, receive. Listen to that. There's Miss Mickey taking off again. Do you hear that? No, I don't hear it. Oh. I got you turned way down because you're um, too loud in here. Oh. Well, the uh, the people listening to the people who actually listen to the show will be able to hear it. I can. I'm listening to the show now. <laughs> you don't hear it though. Mustang Sally, you can hear that thing from three blocks away. What, um, what they put uh, glass pipes on it? Yeah, with a glass pack muffler. I don't know what they put on it, but it's loud. It's louder than it was. <laughs> That's hilarious. Ah, uh, yeah. No. Um, uh, let me does see. That thing got a, does that thing have a V8 in it? Yeah, it does. It's the big block. It does? Yeah, it's the big block. The big yeah. block six? Yeah, no, eight. Here, listen to it. <laughs> I can hear that. Do, do you remember on the previous show when uh, when Miss Mickey fired up uh, Mustang Sally near the end there? You know what was going on? Our, she was um, irked. No, no, no. no. Our... Uh, <laughs> Our gracious host, uh, Chad Christian, who uh, now we're back with him. I'll explain how that works in a second because, of course, uh, this is still the 2009 tour. Um, so he, he heard me talking about the uh, the power steering, and he'd immediately called some guy, Bob, Bobby. And Bobby was uh, came over, and they were fixing it right there in the driveway while, while the show was going. But this Bobby guy, this is amazing. So I, I, uh, after the show, you know, I get out of the sin bin uh, while everything's kind of rendering and whatever, and uh, and I meet this guy. He's kind of like, like a, you know, he's got a Hulk Hogan scully cap, you know, kind of, you know, like uh, late fifties do rag, yeah, one of these guys. He's like, hey, what's that noagendashow.com dot com thing? Is that like Glenn Beck? I said, no, <laughs> no. Oh, I like me some Glenn Beck. I'm like, okay, well, you might We're like... We're better than Glenn Beck, you should have told him. Well, that's what I said. He said, yeah, because, you know, stuff's messed up. I said, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, you know, I opened this hood of this car. I, I, I almost expected Obama to pop out and said, I built this engine. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, they're all playing on that. <laughs> yeah, but... I built this engine. <laughs> but, this is, this is, but this is, you know, propagating... This is a good... By the way, I think the president... I think that uh, that was unscripted. I think he went off script when he said that. Yeah, because he's been getting nothing but grief. I think that he... Well, he thinks he's an ad-libber, you know? He thinks he's so funny. Yeah. 
Well, I think he screwed it up with that one, and, I, and that was never intended. But that's probably the way he actually thinks. Oh yeah, no, I, I believe it is. That's what. That's why it came out. He says, you know, I don't know. I've got to say this because it's, people don't get it. Yeah. But nobody does anything for themselves. It's a group effort. Yeah. And if it wasn't for the roads, you wouldn't have a business. If it wasn't for the police, you wouldn't have a business. You can't build a business. Yeah, you can't do that without us. That is, that is so you weird. You should be thanking us. You know, but a lot of people, as I read around the webs, a lot of people actually buy into what he's saying. Oh, yeah. Well, they're losers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, besides that. But how is, how is it possible? Those are people who have never actually done anything. You know, Chad was telling me. Now, Chad is a firefighter EMS uh, uh, worker here in, uh, uh, in Denver. And he's telling me it's so sad so incredibly sad how many people have figured out how to take advantage of the system um so they'll you know and they figured out how to do it so that you know if they uh, if they basically they're too lazy or too obese or whatever to literally get up and walk to the other side of the room to pick something up so they'll call 911 and say you know I'm like I have chest pains because that apparently warrants an immediate you know there's no questions asked they they deploy and they'll come in, and then you know, there's some some old bag will be sitting there. Oh yeah, yeah, I got chest pains, but could you could you just grab my cigarettes there from the other side of the room? <laughs> yeah, they and and they, and they have people who they call them frequent flyers. Like ten thousand times they've been taken to the hospital, and and but it's just people have figured out how to take advantage of the system. And he says, really, it's it's disheartening, disenchanting, disheartening, disheartening. Yeah, it's that it's it's really rampant. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that that goes on. And, you know, somebody was explaining to me once the problem with socialized medicine in general is that there's a lot of, especially in the United States, which is white, might not be the best thing for us. There's a lot of lonely people. Yeah. And, and so they make just a million appointments with the doctor so they can just go in and have somebody to chat And with. have a chat, yeah. Well, that's, now it's funny you mentioned that because Christy, his wife, she's a dental hygienist. And she says, you know, we actually are just social workers. You have no idea, she says, what people will sit in that chair and just tell you about. They, they, that's all, you know, it's, it's crazy. People, yeah, lonely people. Lonely people. And now you can bring up the Beatles song. <laughs> and let's face it, if you and I didn't have each other, we'd be lonely people. Do you know, do you know, uh, did you talk to the guy, uh, the what's his name, the, the mechanic about the, about the show, about why he should be listening to it? Yeah. Did you tell him the real, the, the absolute, the, what, what's, what the show's really all about and what the, he should be listening, why he should be listening to this show? Well, um, what I did is I turned on the loudspeakers and I said, The best podcast in the universe. Wow. It took me a second to catch on that you were rolling out the script there, but I, I luckily I caught <laughs> it just in time. <laughs> I thought you were going to just... Be, no, I discussed with him some other things, though. We went to the library together. Yeah, it's, a, it's like we got this jingle from the Jeff Smith, Sir Jeff Smith. And I, let me just play it again because it's so awesome. The best podcast in the universe. And then John does like the, the thing that we know never, ever works. And he says, okay, here's how we're going to roll it out. I'll ask you this. And then you say that. And then you play the jingle. I'm like, oh, God. I know mean, I'm going to mess this up. It's not going to work. Every <laughs> <laughs> once in a while, we have to have some shtick. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you so much, Sir Jeff Smith. It's like right on the money. <clears throat> Again, this guy is so talented. 
If you if you're looking if you want people to remember your show, your product, your brand, whatever it is, you got to have Sir Jeff Smith get to uh, make something for you because this stuff just works. And you know when I'm tired, like really tired, like now on this trip, which is yeah, and I think it's a combination of the traveling, uh, the meetups, although fantastic, obviously are a little draining because you know there's like you know we had uh, almost forty people in Denver and. Well, you know, you want to talk to everybody, and everyone has a story, and, uh, you know, so it's it's just tiring. But then what happens is my brain goes into some kind of loop mode, and I and I catch myself repeating things over and over, and I'd have to say 95% of the time, it's our own damn jingles. It's it's really, you know, I catch my, my brain's <laughs> going. Dot org slash N-A. And you'll catch yourself after, you know, like half an hour, like, ah! And then you have to think of something else, and then that'll go into a loop. It's, you know, I'm, I don't know. It's not, not, things are not well. <laughs> things are not well with me here on the road. I'm very well, tired. Well, you hate, you know, I was, I'm actually, we discussed this at the family, doing the family meetings. Uh-huh. The Dvorak the, family meetings, which I've been trying to explain to people, by the way. The, the, so anyway, <laughs> so the, we discussed, the, why is he doing this? Why is he going on the, the Hot Pockets tour? And and then somebody at I think it was at the office uh, says to me, "Oh, you know, he really must love driving." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's and what I'm I love. Saying, you know, I don't think you really want. I remember after the last tour, you were just moaning about it to such an extreme. You were so annoyed by the amount of effort you have to put into. It. I mean, it's a lot of work. It is, a and lot of so work, yeah. and so you when you get back, you never again. I remember this. <laughs> Did I say that? I don't think I said. Oh that. yeah. No. Oh yeah. No. Never again. Never again. No, I was fine. Uh, and then, then it was about. I said, ah, I said this is bull crap because I, I, I'm sure we can get him to do it again. <laughs> and you and Mickey connived against me. Well, Mickey played it by ear, and she actually, she just kind of, you know, it was a lot of fun, and and she started telling you this, and she, and the first time I, I, I broached it, I said, yeah, you ought to go again. This summer's coming up. You should do it. <laughs> And then you then reminded yourself that it wasn't good, so I let it slide a little longer. So you could, it's like having a broken arm or Wait something. Wait a minute, are, are, are you saying that you you guys trick me? <laughs> no, yeah, no, nobody yeah. tricks you. Anybody. Now listen, let me, let me tell you this. So the driving, I don't mind the driving, and you know the heat has been kind of uh, outrageous. Um, the thing that is that really bothers me is not being able to do my work. You know, there's just no, there's really no chance to. Look at some legislation, kick back, check it out. And that's mainly because there's no bandwidth on the road. You really can't download stuff, you know, and then we're doing engine management and all this stuff. The the, the upside, of course, is we see some beautiful parts of the country, which uh, Mickey has certainly never seen before. There's a lot of it I haven't seen. And meeting our producers, uh, and I've said, I've said, I know I said this last year, that is absolutely amazing. We have some outstanding human resources who are uh, listening and participating in this program? We we had a meetup here in Denver, at uh, at Rex, and I and uh, I know that the uh, all of by the way Mickey's going to uh, upload stuff to Flickr so we can have a uh, you know so we can have like a non Facebook entity for the oh uh, for good the I can actually see the photos yeah then. well so we roll up to Rex and um, our producer there uh, who arranged everything was. Um, <laughs> Hold on a second. Uh, why do I feel like such a, a dork now? Uh, okay, it'll come to me in a moment. Um, 
so he had rented out basically a balcony um outside on top of on, on top of this uh this establishment and it had a marquee and the marquee literally read Rex welcomes no agenda hot pockets 09 <laughs> how cool is that yeah and, you know particularly cuz he said you know I called the guy and I you know wanted to reserve the space and they said yeah you want anything in the marquee he said yeah yeah I want no agenda hot pockets 09 the guy said uh, I guess I just won't ask you any questions about that. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good idea. Um, so uh, forty about forty people. Uh, it's just amazing the level of uh, of enthusiasm here in the area. No, um, I don't think we had any feds in this meetup. We did in uh, Colorado Springs, although I got the most awesome. Porn thing ever, you know the. Uh, you ever heard of Jeppesen? You know the company Jeppesen. I have actually. So Jeppesen makes all the aviation charts. They make all the the maps of the airwaves. They're, they're pretty much the uh, uh, the market leaders. The only game in town, really. And they are a Denver company. They started doing this uh, back when uh, the U.S. Postal Service started delivering mail uh, by air. And then they started, um, that's when the company was started, and they charted everything. So uh, for every single airport in the world, you have what's known as an approach plate. And it's a one sheet, and uh, and it's the same everywhere. And it has all of the uh, the beacons, you know, like the VORs. It has the instrument landing system, instructions. It has, you know, if there's any weird things um, uh, in the area, it has your glide path, your frequencies, and um, they made up a special approach plate, an official Jefferson pl- approach plate for KGMO, i.e. Gitmo Nation International Airport. <laughs> and and by the way, there's only three people in the world who have a specialized approach plate from Jefferson. One is Harrison Ford. The other one is Scully Sullenberger, you know, the Hudson dude, and me. So it's like, but you know, it's so... It's, so first of all, it's aviation porn, but then everything is in no agenda language. So we have like point crackpot, point buzzkill, point Mickey. And there's a big, big uh, void on the map. It says you know information, nothing to see here. It's got glide slope zero six nine or degrees. You know, it's got thirty threes everywhere. Uh, <laughs> it's Ministry of Truth Tower pedo approach frequency, crackpot command center frequency. Um, it, it, it's there's, only, there's probably only ten people in the world who can actually un- appreciate how cool this is. Um, but I'm I'm very very proud of that. It's nice and you know it's framed and everything. So that that was like wow. <laughs> I was here's the uh, upon missed approach, climb to 600 feet, turn left, go back to real news and hold. You know this, these guys. It's cute. Yeah, it's very. Co- I'll uh, I'll make sure I post a picture of it as well. We should print copies. Yeah. No, man. This is this is well. Actually, I might be able to do that. So, um, so we were in we Denver. Did. Then we um, we unhitched from uh, from the sin bin. Of course, now with the power steering fixed, which was fantastic. Thank you very much, uh, producer Chad Christian, for taking care of that for us. And we drove to Colorado Springs. And uh, Colorado Springs, we had a meetup. Um, which was a much smaller meetup, but of course, you know, it's uh, it's kind of a little more remote area. Although right there, that is basically where the Stargate is, where NORAD is. I mean, that's that's the center of the um, 
of the universe when it comes to Gitmo Nation. And um, uh, Robert Seals organized uh, the meetup, and he also uh, arranged for a, a cabin uh, in the uh, in the RV park, in the Garden of the Gods RV park for us to uh, uh, to sleep in. And there was a lot of great people at this meetup, including uh, <coughs> two military guys, uh, one of which was uh, is in the NSA. As, military and in the NSA? Yeah, NSA. I think he used to be NSA Georgia. Uh-huh. But he is uh he's a Arabic linguist. Oh. Uh-huh. They fired all of those guys. <laughs> well, of course I'm st- I'm getting interested, right? I'm saying, well, so the stuff that we play, how are those translations? He said, "Let me just tell you. Uh as you know, what we're taught as uh, Arab linguists is pretty much the equivalent of King James English." He says, we don't understand. They don't understand. It's, like, it's, it's so poor, the level of, our, uh, of our, our, our linguistic capabilities. Now he's in analysis, I think, so that's a little bit easier for him. Um, but it, I can't talk about everything that I was told. But the one thing I will say, that all these guys are very, very, very worried about how they are being politicized in these uh, military budget cuts. Because they all know that the budget cuts, it's not about... Um, you know, about the next stealth uh, aircraft. It's not about the next missile. It's all about the troops. And these guys, are not they're actually going to get screwed. They're not going to get their pensions, or their pensions are going to be a bit less. In fact, the other guy who was there was, like, happy that he was going to get his 401K. I mean, this is, uh, this is, there's unhappiness, I would say, amongst our uh our armed forces, the actual human resources of the armed forces, and they're also pretty sick and tired of uh, being deployed again. It's it was really quite evident. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and, I think it's very evident. I think uh, this is nothing new. We've always treated our military, uh, even though we talk a big game. The government's always treated the military like crap yeah. historically. They did it after the Civil War; they wouldn't give guys their pensions. They did it after World War One. In fact, there was a whole uh, – there was an encampment outside the White House, uh, and it was even during the Roosevelt administration. They had to send troops – Oh, that's right. I remember that. Well, to I beat the crap yeah. out of these ex-soldiers because they weren't getting the, their pensions, and it's always to screw them out of the pensions. Hmm. And uh, they you know, they only put up with it for so long, and then they make a big stink about it, and some of them get their money that, that, they, that they're owed, and some of them don't. Yeah. And this is a long, long – this has gone on forever, and it's just a common – it's kind of a, a, an eye roller how often it, it continues because it's almost like it's policy. Yeah. I don't worry about it. We'll just screw them later. Yeah, yeah, but but they're on to it. They're not liking it. And meanwhile you – know, They've always been on to it, but then they've always been not liking it, but it doesn't help. Well, these not days, that I want to depress yeah. anybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thanks. Um, there is uh, a lot of training activity going on, though, at NTC, the National Training Center, which is essentially in the desert. And the training they're doing, um, from the way I understand it, is pretty much the type of training you'd expect for insurgency in uh, Iran. And none of these guys are happy with that. They think it's going to be, if if we actually were to go and bomb Iran, they all know that the uh, Iranian people who hate their own government, will, of course, then just start an, an insurgency like we've never seen before. And uh, they're all kind of worried about that. 
Because I just don't want to. Yeah, well, I think that's go. why Panetta was out. Because uh, I think Panetta was sent over to the Pentagon to stir up something, and then he, he seems to have turned on the on the plan. It seems to me I could be wrong in this interpretation, but he seems to have turned on the plan because the information is not good regarding uh, Iran, and uh, and and also I think there's a lot of indications that we're not going to back Israel if they do anything. I mean, it's. It's just a not a, it's a, it's it's a an mess. awkward situation. It's a mess. It yeah, it is a mess. Anyway, um, our, our armed forces, uh, we do have a lot of listeners, and uh, and I and they like what we're doing. Everybody likes what we're doing. You know why? <laughs> yes, I do, John. Because we are the best podcast in the universe. <laughs> All right. Uh, so why don't I start off with uh, an, an executive producer from a uh, <clears throat> donation here in uh, Colorado, uh, Devin Ostendorf, completed his knighthood on the spot, and I also I knighted him, John, and I we have pictures of, <laughs> of the knighting. I knighted him with your head on a stick, using that okay. as a sword. Uh, but we will give him an official ceremony uh, later on during our donation segment. Uh, he came in with his uh, final $666.66 um, as uh, the Gitmo Nation Central Command Beef Jerky and Mountain Dew Fund. And uh, let me see. I think he has uh, a letter, which maybe I'll read during the donation segment itself. Well, we might as well do our executive producers yeah. right off the top, and Good. then we can you, you can read that letter now if you want. Okay, well, why don't you get it going while I find Okay, well, we have, a, we have one executive, two executive producers plus our other night uh, for today's show, plus a uh, associate executive. And our number one executive producer is Chris the Viking from Philly, and he came in with $1,000 straight up. He's wow. Chris the Viking. Insta night. He sent you a email yeah. from yeah. C.K. Lusk. Yeah, I have it. It's a... Uh, it's, <laughs> okay. Title of the email, and I figure, you know, since he, of course, is a, uh, since he is a, uh, an instantite, we should probably read some of it. Title of the email, subject, aliens, man. Oh, I guess, well, well you can watch you save that email for the second half of the show. Are you sure? It's well, a, if it's, it's about a good aliens, one. yes. It's, well. I'm pretty sure. It's, uh, it's, a, okay, it's one of his own, I'll just read the beginning to get you into it. Been enjoying the show since a couple of months. Before the last tour, I do appreciate all the deconstruction you and John do. I like you guys, so I'll send you a K, a K, baby, through the PayPal's as a thank you. Uh, just the real reason I contacted you, September 21st prediction. You predicted up from the crop circle stuff. For one, crop circles and everyone involved in them can't be relied on. It's all hoaxes. Even if they're not very easy to make, you must assume it's a hoax. So he's anti-crop circle, but the rest of the note we will read during our donation segment, which I think uh, you or the second half of the show, which you will find very interesting. Okay, and we, and we appreciate Andrew Carlson from St. Paul, Minnesota, came in at three thirty, three thirty-three. Uh, thanks for all the great episodes and laughs, laughs over the last year. I had a little karma come my way, and thought I'd pass it on to you. Last time I donated, I promised a longer note. When I could be an executive producer, I guess the time is now, but I can't remember all the things I wanted to complain about. I guess they weren't really that important. Meanwhile, I just have a few favorites. Pipeline episode, he wants to mention. Pipeline episode, the healthcare debate. Anytime you guys fight on the air. And Huntsman <laughs> karma. Speaking of which, send me a Hey Citizen Huntsman karma to my MILF, who is starting a new school year soon in a tough district. Ooh, 
All right. Hey, citizen, huntsman karma. Here we go. Hey, citizen. You've got karma. And then we have Bernie Atima in Hinton, Iowa, who came in at $230. Atama. Atama. That's right. It is Atama. Anyway, Bernie Atama in Hinton, Iowa, who came in at 230 be associate executive producer, uh, is to make his son, John Atama, is his first son, so let's make a note, John Atama, associate producer today, shows for his birthday. Oh, nice. Lives in Aurora. Uh-oh. Right down the somewhere. Yeah. Met Adam and Mickey at the meetup on Thursday. Oh, okay, yeah. He said, he said it was a great time. Please give him a Gitmo Nation national anthem. Uh, we'll maybe do that at the end of the show. That's yes. a very long clip we don't like to just casually throw out there. I'm adding another 30 to even out my donations, and another 50 should have been sent toward my knighthood. Have a safe trip back, and as always, the best uh, to you guys. No, that's very kind. So, yeah, we'll play the anthem at the end of the show. For, for sure, for sure, for you. Uh, and then I would like to uh, call out Chad Christian as associate executive producer of this episode for his contribution towards uh, uh, not just hosting us for th- a total of three nights th- uh, here and uh, and cooking for us and taking care of us, but also for uh, taking care of the repairs to Mustang Sally. Uh, so we highly that thing sounds like that. it just needs repairs all the time. No, it's only two, it's only been the muffler and the and the power steering. We should we should be <laughs> Seems good. Seems like enough. <laughs> we should be good. So of course these are. I have a Lexus that's twenty years old and has never burnt out a light bulb in the entire car. Oh yeah, the tail light is also out. Uh. <laughs> what can Just I tell a you? reminder. What can I tell you? So these, of course, are, are real credits, uh, unlike the phonies in Hollywood, uh, who will gladly give you a credit in exchange for value for value, or what they call value for some crappy-ass show. Uh, you can actually contact us if you need us to vouch for you to let someone know that you are indeed an executive or associate executive producer. And, of course, we would love everyone else to go out there and do what you can, including propagating the formula. Our formula is this. We go out. We hit people in the mouth. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Just shut up! So, oh, so I'm, I want to remind everybody: it's dvorak.org slash na channel dvorak.com slash na. Uh, you can also go to noagendashow.com and noagendanation.com and click on the donate button. And, and a, remi- a quick reminder, uh, I met Michael Breed here in uh, in Denver. Uh, he is the proprietor of noagendaguns.com. Remember that uh, 100% of the profit uh, from each sale goes to the show. And he said uh, he's had zero takers so far. So, so, so I figured I'd give him another PR shot there, noagendaguns.com. It's a second attempt. Yes, attempt number so, two. So before we go into any meat, I, I do have one little article I ran into because I was following the phony baloney publicity stunt. Now, which one did you follow? The no, the uh, Chick Fil A. Oh yeah, a company no one in the, north of the Mason Dixon line has ever heard of. Now everybody knows who they are. Yeah, yeah. It was a gene. It was a. It was actually somebody that's attracted to one marketing guy at the company, and apparently the guy just died, which is yeah. The the PR guy. He 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 had a cold. Yeah, he got the flu. (laughs) Boom, dead. Whatever the case is, uh, they've been getting publicity. Now they got the kiss-a-thon where they're kissing. More more publicity. More publicity. But so so we're going to not talk about it. Hey, honey, let's go watch them gay guys kissing and have some food. Yeah, and look, there's a logo back behind him. What's that say? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, yeah. 
So uh, there was an article that showed up in the Yahoo, and I and I, this is a, a, a once in a while on our show we do have a personal tips that kind of supersede some of the other elements of the show, and I have a personal tip. This is an article that's in the Yahoo News, written by this Eric Pfeiffer, and it's called "How to." And this relates to what we said earlier in the show about the lonely American: how to keep strangers from sitting next to you. It's apparently, a study was done at Yale. Yeah. About what you do, because a lot of people, you know, when you're on a bus, a plane, and you don't want anyone sitting next to you. No, because they might be annoying. That's the main reason, or weird, as they put in this article. They talk about different tricks, checking your phone, rummaging through a bag, bending over, not looking, making eye contact, all these things. Well, and this sit, is, sitting in the aisle and putting your bag on the seat, on the window uh, seat, that's one way. Yeah, I've seen that. That's yeah. really annoying. Yeah, that's bad. So that's when bad. I see that, I always say... Hey, who's sitting there? <laughs> uh, my bag. <laughs> Move it. Move it. I'm it coming was, in. I think it was George Carlin who had the idea uh, where you get on the airplane, you get on the aisle seat, and then you, and the person walks by and says, is anyone sitting there? And then you say, yes, Jesus. <laughs> hey, hey, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, if you can pull it off, it probably yeah. does work. Yeah. But you have to have a funny look on your face and glass, be glassy-eyed. <laughs> yeah. Now, the one I'll tell you, here's the trick that's not mentioned by this the study or anyone else. And I tell you, this will this is the best way to get people not to sit next to you under any circumstance, wherever you are. Put on one of those medical masks. <laughs> as long as you're not Asian, it'll work. Yeah. No, yeah. the Asians always wear them anyway. But yeah, now you can, if you put the mask on, because I, I, this happened to me on a completely full Southwestern flight. I was sitting, I, I, there was a woman at the window and there was an aisle seat right in the front row. And this thing was full except for one empty seat. And, and so I sat in the aisle and then this woman put on the mask. <laughs> and yeah. it was the funniest thing to watch. Everyone came by. They wanted that seat because it's a perfect seat Great to get seat. out yeah. right away. Right. They looked at the seat. They looked at her. They looked at the seat. They looked at her, and then they kept walked going. On, walked on. Well, that's Nobody a, ever sat there. That's almost like the – I think it was a, a Flash game in the early days of Flash on the Internet. It was a, a game called Urinal Etiquette. Have you ever seen that? And <laughs> no, it's, it's, that it's like different screens. Like, okay, so – there's a guy at the urinal, and then there's an uh, and there's like two empty urinals, and another guy. And it's like you know which urinal oh, yeah, are you supposed, supposed to, to choose? Yeah, where are you supposed to stand? And it's so true because guys walk in, they go like, "Well, I don't want to stand next to the guy." You know, and let me see. But wait a minute, if there's you know, it's it's like well, here's the real option with the urinal problem. You've got the urinal, 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 and the only one that's where it should be where you'd want to actually go to it because it's far away from the guy is peeing. Is one of those little bitty ones way down? No, that's no, low. no, no! I don't want that one because that's like, that splashes back and and then it looks like you peed your pants. Yeah, those are no good They're for little kids. <laughs> yeah, or or people in wheelchairs. I think. I don't know what they're for, but anyway. So the mask works, and if you really wanted to take it to the next level, get one of those uh, you know misting bottle and spray your forehead so you're kind of you're wet. sweaty. You're looking sweaty. Yeah, <laughs> I guarantee no one's sitting next to you. We're gonna try this. This is good. So, uh, well, well, Miss Mickey and I often travel, and then, um, you know, we'll get, like, window seat and the middle seat. And, and of course, we'd love to have aisle seat, empty seat, window seat. So of course. So, we'll both get a mask, and we'll both be just wearing the mask with, like, the, with the sprayed-on wetness. Yeah, well, then, on the airplane, I think you have to be careful about using the spray, because I thought about this. I've given this thought. <laughs> is course. that if they see you with the wet, somebody may report you as... Yeah, as and they'll you, take you off. They'll, they'll take, take you off the plane. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you may have swine flu. 
So, right. but you can. I think you can wear the mask, and I think you can safely only have one of the two of you, and it would be the one by the window wearing the mask, and then you would have a scared look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, do you want me to do anything with this Chick Fil A clip, or can I just jettison that? Do I have a clip? Yeah, you have Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A bullcrap. Uh, I figured that might be. Uh, no, I think we jettison. We can, All right. We jettison. Then let me pull out. Uh, let me pull it out here. <laughs> Wow. Uh, talking about your... Uh, Squirrel! We have flying squirrels now, ladies and gentlemen. The, the uh, This report from ABC News about the Spanish Al-Qaeda operatives. And I have two reports, one from ABC and one from CNN, both with very interesting conflict... Well, not really conflict... Well, yeah, in a way, conflicting information. But it, it seems like... You know, I, I, I'm at the point now where I'm almost thinking that CNN shot up those people in Aurora just to get ratings because they're just making stuff up. And now we have Al-Qaeda on paragliders, which, by the way, is a misnomer. Uh, it's a, I think it's called a flying parachute. It's not a, a paraglider does not include an engine. Uh, but just listen to the report and, and laugh about how afraid we're all supposed to be as good little slaves. Now to that brazen terror plot. Authorities say Al-Qaeda operatives about to fly in, possibly on paragliders, <laughs> to launch their newest attack. It, it, by the way, it's supposed to be a James Bond connotation, I guess. Investigators <laughs> in Spain have three suspects under arrest. They say they had a stash of explosives and were coming up with a brand new way to attack. <laughs> Here's our senior national security correspondent, Martha Raddatz, tonight. By the way, Martha has this look on her face like she's like so she's so sorry for all you stupid slaves i'm so sorry you have to you know you're going to be submitted to this terror the three suspected al-qaeda operatives had timers and enough explosives with them to blow up a bus a bus even more troubling at least two of the men had been practicing flying light aircraft believed to be motorized paragliders like those seen here, those innocent-looking pleasure craft that the suspects may have intended for far deadlier purposes. Please listen to the words. Those innocent, innocent-looking pleasure craft that may have been used for far deadlier purposes. Be afraid. Be afraid. Since Al-Qaeda has long been obsessed with arming aircraft. And now they're showing the towers. Right, so now they're, they're drawing the... Oh, yeah. they're Cut dra- to the towers. Yeah, they're drawing 737s to motorized parachutes, but okay. How much explosive substance could you actually put on something like this? You can see underneath the pilot that there's room where they could potentially put explosive. Or- this guy is supposed to be an expert, and he's and it, it's so wrong what he's saying, because he's saying, well, look, this area here, right, right underneath the seat is where you can put explosives. But, you know, there is a weight limitation, you know, and you got to be a pretty lightweight terrorist, you know, a, a tiny Al-Qaeda man, in order to have a lot of explosives on board. This is just, there's, there's with these um, motorized parachutes, there's only so much uh, wing weight, I think I call it, that you can actually carry. So it, this is this is completely bogative. Or in the past, as we've seen, a suicide vest where you would carry this explosive on his body. How many kilos would you need to blow up a bus, John? Do you think how many how many kilos of uh, of explosives? Well, it depends on the explosive. But if it was dynamite, I would say it probably. I think you blow up a bus with about four sticks. Okay, well they could carry that on the on the wing then. Okay, yeah, I'll take bus. it back. I mean, it's yeah. a bus. It's just a bus. But why a bus? You know, why is it a bus? It makes associative with the I seven think seven associative reference to the yeah, seven bus seven blow ups. No. 
Oh, that's possible. Yeah. But I was thinking it's associated with the bus terrorism that took place in Israel. And this is a, a, a oh, okay, the, right, right, and, right. Any Jews, uh, any Jewish person. <laughs> yeah, it's a Jewish attack. Well, bus, another bus was blown up in Tel Aviv. Right, right, right. Okay, good one, good one. Well, but they're actually going to make it even funnier for us. And perhaps detonate as he flew into a crowd, as he flew into a stadium. <laughs> I'm flying into the stadium. I'm going to detonate. Can you just imagine? <laughs> Alu Akbar! Alu Akbar! Here I come! Please. Some place where he could make that terror attack that would create fear. The para- I like that. A terror attack that would create fear. So that that's... A poorly written now, script. I think, that, I think you would create some fear with a terror attack if you say you had 1,000 of these things. Yeah, cool. With 1,000 like guys. It was like a Bond movie. You have 1,000 <laughs> of these, these bombers coming in. Glider would add. would be firing the missiles at them. To the already creative but lethal bomb delivery systems terrorists have used over the years. Okay, here's the list of the already creative bomb delivery systems terrorists have used over the years. Get ready, everybody, because you're screwed, slaves. There was the printer bomb. The shoe bomb, the underwear bomb, but also used or contemplated explosives hidden in teddy bears, cameras, (laughs) Cameras, laptops, laptops, prosthetics, including one molded to look like a woman is pregnant. (laughs) None of this is true, by the way. None of of these have ever gone off. There hasn't been one bomb that's gone off. Never. When was was there ever a computer laptop bomb? (laughs) But she's not done yet. Bombs and body cavity bombs. Woohoo! In your butt! And, of course, those sports drinks that brought a halt to air travel after a plot was uncovered in 2006. Which is a total lie because they didn't have tickets. There was no plan whatsoever. Always coming up with new ways. Martha with us from Washington. Oh, and Martha, as so you know, of course, the Olympics going on right now. These men were believed to be on the move. Any idea who they were targeting? On the move. Uh, they really have no idea, David. <laughs> Officials the believe they were headed to France or someplace else in Good. Europe. They don't think there was any threat to the Olympics. But given the explosives and paraglider, this paraglider. is the kind of thing that keeps American officials and others up at night, David, oh, yeah. trying to figure out what the plotters will think. Time to come up with new ways to make us afraid. Now, CNN has a little more detail on these guys, and it turns out they didn't even have explosives. There was no <laughs> explosives. Check it. Well, Candy, what we're hearing is that two of... This, by the way, is Nick Robertson, the former uh, satellite technician who now is senior correspondent. These men are <laughs> al-Qaeda operatives who had had training in Afghanistan and Pakistani al-Qaeda training camps. Um, one of them, uh, they were both believed believed to be Chechens, the other believed to... Chechens. Interesting, isn't it? Chechens. Hmm. ...to be of Turkish origin. And Turkish origin, okay. The police are saying when they raided this Turkish man's flat, um, they did find some explosives, but the canine sniffer dogs they took in there with them to detect explosives discovered a tiny hidden compartment, hidden room, and the dogs apparently went quite crazy in there, um, indicating that there were a lot... There had been a lot of explosives there that they had <laughs> oh. been moved out, and we also understand... So wait a minute. So he's he's talking bullcrap because they found timers. They didn't find any explosives, but the dogs went crazy. You know those lying dogs? Those lying dogs that pulled me and Miss Mickey over and lied? And lied yeah, that we had drugs. Dogs. The lying sons of bitches, which I can literally yeah, they, say. Yeah, they do stuff on cue. Yeah, lying dogs. And it gets better. These two of these men, the two with the Al-Qaeda training, one was an expert in chemicals and bomb make, in, in making bombs. They both had bomb making training. Uh-huh. But they'd both been- How do they know that? 
How do they know that, and what what does this entail? I don't know. Training as well using motorized paragliding aircraft, and the indications are they might have been able uh, to try now listen, listen. to mount an airborne type of attack. Airborne! So, Nick, I'm not sure I understand. They, they think there are explosives missing because the dogs picked up a scent in a different room. How do we know they're not the same? They just didn't move the explosives within that apartment. What is that question? Wow. What a convoluted question. I, th- I think the teleprompter wasn't scrolling, and she couldn't figure out the question. So what, yeah. she, so what she just think- asked was, how come... Isn't it possible that they moved it to another spot in the apartment and the dogs just, I guess, couldn't find it, but they could smell it? And, well, here it comes. You know, that's possible, and the police obviously uh, are not going to rule that out. But but one of the things here in this case that the police have told us is that they've been tracking these guys for about a month. Oh. Um, two of them had crossed from France into Spain. Um, the Spanish saying they've had help from outside intelligence agencies. Uh, they've been monitoring them for a month now, and there appears to have been an eavesdropping device. In- okay, now this is where it gets good. So remember, the dogs went crazy. The lying dogs, and they had an eavesdropping device. Let's find out what they heard. In this apartment, the uh, the um, Turkish man who lived in the apartment is supposed to have or, or believed to have told his Moroccan wife to clean the apartment. She was picked up on a phone call with one of these audio bugs uh, saying that she had cleaned the apartment, <laughs> which gives the police the belief um, that she hadn't cleaned it for dust, that she'd cleaned out explosives. There. Hold on. Honey, could you clean the apartment? God, oh, it's got to be a terrorist cleaning out, cleaning out bombs. She just cleaned the apartment. How about that for an idea? And the dogs went particularly crazy in this room, we're told. So the real indication is... The dogs they have found figured some out dust. there was a yeah. lot more. It was in that room, and the police are really worried about it. Right. Okay. So um, let me just play the jingle. <clears throat> Bullshit. Please. If you're insulting my intelligence, CNN, motorized paraglide. If, if you see a dude in a white sheet with a beard on a, on a, on a, on a, on a motorized parachute, yeah, you might want to worry. Screaming Alu Akbar, here I come. You know, you can walk into these facilities with the with the explosive vest. What are you going through all this trouble for? You've got to play into people's imagination. You've, it's you, like it's <laughs> like too boring, I guess, just to walk in and blow up the place. It's fantastic. I mean, the, the, talk Jeez. about imagination. I mean, literally, that meeting, John, that must have been such a funny meeting. And we've all got our Starbucks coffee. We're sitting around. Hey, man, we got to scare the slaves. What can we do now? Hey, you know those innocent-looking pleasure craft <laughs> known as... I think they're called uh, paragliders? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's put some guys on that. Well, this you know, the funny crazy. thing is, you play my clip, uh, This I, I'll talk about this afterwards, but I got a kick out of this one. This is the clip, London is Empty. Okay. British athletes may be picking up gold at the London Olympics, but takings are down at the capital's main tourist attractions. The sporting event is said to be putting off regular visitors. There had been fears that London wouldn't cope with the crowds. 
We're seeing a 30%, at least a 30% decline in attendance at attractions. We're seeing sharp falls in usage of restaurants. We're seeing a big fall in the use of sightseeing companies. You can come in here and you can get individual attention from a <laughs> beef eater at the moment at the Tower of London. Uh, the British Museum is comparatively empty. It's not all doom and gloom. <coughs> this London hotel is nearly full. The manager here nearly. says the disappointment is down to too much hype. Uh, the projections were very high. Uh, the, the buzz around the Olympics in London was, uh, was great. Uh, there was a lot of warnings also to stay out of the city because of uh, traffic. So it may have scared people off. Maybe people said, you know, we're going to leave London, especially the locals. You know, I've been reading about this. It's an absolute disaster for the, uh, for the retailers. It's like Yeah, I know, it's a total disaster. But not once in the report do they mention that they scared the public too, putting missiles on rooftops and putting soldiers all over the town. Yeah. You know, stop and frisk, I'm sure, is going on. On. And, you know, if you look in the stadiums and even in some of the bigger events, I've only seen the thing full once. It's always half empty. Yeah. Now, it's a total, total disaster. And uh, and you know, I was watching Vice, you know, the Vice, uh, Vice.com. Vice they, magazine, yeah. Yeah, they did a pretty good documentary about uh, what they call the dark side of the Olympics in the show notes under video uh, 432.nashownotes.com. And uh, what they did... How they screwed all these people in East London, all for the elites, and and you know they had in effect a curfew for anyone under sixteen after nine o'clock. You know anyone more than two people together on the street is you know is illegal. It's like total Gitmo nation. But I do like the idea of getting personal attention from a beef eater. That sounds kind of <laughs> hey, hot. Hey, Can hey. I show you my beef? In the morning. Speaking of the Olympics, uh, here is uh, our very own Presidente's uh, annual radio address, which he uh, broadcasts on YouTube. I did not understand what he was talking about. Hi, everybody. Today I want to take a break from the back and forth of campaign season. And talk about Instead of running the country and fixing stuff, from my, what I'm doing is the back and forth of campaign season. Something that's brought us all together this week, the Summer Olympics. These games remind us that for all our differences, we're Americans first. What? Aren't, this, aren't the games supposed to remind us that we're all human beings and kumbaya and it's like <laughs> the whole world? It's like we're all just Americans now? What is what? that? That is, that is an outrageous comment. Does it remind the British that we're all Americans, too? Well, well there's, a little, there's a little more to this. And we could not be prouder. Yeah, we could not be prouder that the whole world is American. <laughs> Shut up, slave. Of men and women representing our country in London, in both the Olympics and in the Paralympics. Last weekend, Michelle led the American delegation to London. Now, I, now, now she, she, I didn't know this. And reaffirmed the special relationship we share with our strongest ally. Oh, uh, sorry. She reaffirmed the special relationship we have with our strongest ally, which, of course, is Gitmo Nation East. Great Britain. She met with the Queen and with Prime Minister Cameron's wife, Samantha. She spent some time thanking our brave service members. Now, now, what were our brave service members doing over there? Are we at war with Great Britain now? Do we have soldiers there? It sounds like he's lost his lost his grip here. He's on marbles. Yeah. Or he's, somebody screwed up the prompter. And of course, she took in as many events as she could to cheer on our athletes. Now, I got to admit, I was a little jealous that she got to go. Uh huh. But like many uh -huh. of you, I caught as many events as I could. Yeah. Yeah. You know, our president was real busy. Jumping off the couch for a close race, <laughs> a perfect vault. Jumping off the couch. Uh, really. 
Now, so of course, there's only one event I really love at the Olympics, and I'm very, very, and 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 this is my Dutch heritage, and I've actually made a a, a domain name because, and we've talked about this before. The sport to watch is women's hockey. And, John, I would like you to go to hockeybabes.curry.com. John, about field hockey. Of course, field hockey, yes. Hockeybabes.curry.com. Okay, hold on a second. And uh, just enjoy. Hockeybabes. This is what you're doing with your time on the road. You were just moaning and groaning earlier about you couldn't do this and you couldn't do that, but you got this. Well, it made me feel good. Made me feel like it's all worthwhile. Look at the look at the Dutch team, who probably will win again. They are so good, but they're so smoking hot. That one girl looks like a guy. Give me a break. Well, that's what I mean. They're smoking hot. Yeah. yeah. Now they look good, man. Come on. I don't know. Oh, please. They have the, the grimace on their faces. Well, oh. This one looks good. <laughs> Now this one here, and this against the Chinese. This is the dumbest sport ever. I love it because their little their their little skirts they fly. Why is up there water splashing all over the place? Yeah, I don't know. That's some kind of weird field they use. I'm not sure what's going on with that. But I do like me some uh, some female uh, women's field hockey. That's nice. It's it's a good it's a it's a good thing. Uh, why don't you get the Brazilian <laughs> volleyball team up and you get to see something? Yeah, no. Nah. Now this is this is an unknown. <laughs> this is unknown, man. This is much better. They got people in the stands. It's not completely unknown. It's probably the cheap ticket. <sighs> so I think we should probably <clears throat> talk about Syria for a moment. Oh, well, well, you're still on the Olympics. I could do have one clip. Oh, good. So they, there's a pa- <laughs> there's a Palestinian they were interviewing on Euronews, yeah. and she was. <laughs> Playing out the old, you know, well, we have to, she, nobody even knows we exist as Palestinians. She goes goes on and on. And then she says, you know, it's so tough. She's on the swimming team. She came in last, I think. But she's she's uh, she's moaning that on the, the, the pool's outside and, you know, during the winter, you know, it's impossible to work out. Do you mean you know, her, just, her training pool in Palestine or, or her pool? Yeah, it's wherever the hell it is. Yeah. And she's moaning and groaning. And she, the, the problem is she's really a pretty girl. So you go, oh, that's too bad, poor thing. But anyway, play the clip and we'll get this out of the way. Made up of just five athletes, the Palestine Olympic team is the largest team Palestine has ever sent to the Summer Olympics. Only one of them has reached Olympic qualifying standards. The other four have been sent to London under an invitation from the International Olympic Committee, which initially only accepted states that were diplomatically recognized. Palestine first participated in 1996 in Atlanta. Being here in London is such a great honor. I'm really happy to be here because these are my first Olympic Games and I'm super excited. I'd like to uh, that the world know that Palestine exists and that's why I want to show the world that there is something that called Palestine. Although Sabine Asboon is unlikely to win a medal here, the young swimmer is driven by the thrill of representing Palestine on the international stage. The situation is really hard in Palestine, and that's why I couldn't practice. I mean, I I was in a pool that has 18 meters length for seven years, and sometimes in winter we do not. I didn't get to practice because the the pool is outdoor. 
Despite training in less than ideal conditions, these Aww. athletes remain powerful symbols for many, a statement that Palestine exists and can take part in this global event. You know, this mind control works so well that as this clip is playing in the chat room, there's a guy saying, yeah, John, why don't you tell them Palestinians suck and the Jews are great? <laughs> I mean, this that's is, what these do. This that's what, what these, these clips do. do. This is exactly what it is. This is exactly what it is. Yeah, wow. it's a, it's an it's it's to create the uh, Jew hater, get the Jew haters out. So uh, I'm thinking, I'm not thinking along those lines. I'm thinking along the lines that the the IOC apparently invited them, but they're not a diplomatically recognized country. They're not a country, as a matter of fact, and uh, they don't exist according to John McCain. They're made well, they up. don't. There, there is no Palestine country, but they, they invite them anyway. I think we should get. We should make a movement to get Gitmo Nation represented. <laughs> we should just make up our own country, Gitmo Nation, and we yeah, and Gitmo we have a flag. Nation. Yeah, we have a flag. We probably got a couple athletes that can do something. Yeah, like shooting. I'm shooting. Sure, I'm, I'm sure, sure we got some target shooters. Sure, we could do some, do pretty well in that shooting shooting match. They're always a part of and bow and arrows, archery. Oh, nice. I love the article, by the way, about the uh, the Wi-Fi police at the Olympics. I'm sure you, you caught this somewhere. No. Oh. So um, British Telecom is the official Olympics Wi-Fi partner, and uh, they're running uh, like 1,500 paid hotspots at all the events. And if you are running a MiFi device, then uh, they will track you down. <laughs> and they've got these guys. Hey, buddy. Hey, what are you guys? Is that a Mac? They've got these guys walking around with like these antennas, directional antennas, tracking down MiFis. It's it's crazy. You know, I thought the logo business was nuts. Well, the British are, are into that. They've always been that way, though, with their TV sets because they have those trucks that drive around yeah, the country that's right. for illegal, illegal unlicensed TV. antennas. <laughs> It's just a blueprint. All you have to do is just look at Gitmo Nation East to know what's coming everywhere. Yeah, and, they're, and the public there is putting up with it. So um, a lot of theater around Syria. So, of course, uh, you know we need to take over Syria. We need to break it up. We need to break it into little itty-bitty pieces. And uh, Kofi Annan, compromised, lying sack... Uh, just go look at the food for oil scandal that he was a part of. Look into his you, son. I, I have the clip of him uh, uh, jumping ship. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll. I have a clip too. Let me see what your uh, your. We'll play your clip. It's shorter. Let's see. Oh, nice. When music. the Syrian people desperately need action, there continues to be finger pointing and name calling in the Security Council. Without serious, purposeful and united international pressure, including from the powers of the region, it is impossible for me or anyone to compel the Syrian government in the first place and also the opposition to take the steps necessary to begin a political process. I have therefore informed the Secretary General of the UN and the Secretary General of the Arab League today that I do not intend to continue my mission when my mandate expires at the end of August. Right. So this is very interesting for a number for a number of reasons. I want to play my clip, which has some context around it, 
from the uh, Canadian uh, Broadcasting Corporation, CBC. And, of course, uh, it's nice alliteration when you can just say, Kofi quits. Anne-Marie, Kofi Annan came to the Syria conflict after perhaps too much blood had been spilled Uh for a peaceful settlement, yet not enough to convince the big (laughs) foreign powers to intervene. The man who spearheaded the United Nations peace efforts held a lot of meetings, but not the Syrian government, nor its opponents, nor the world's big powers could agree on much. As an envoy, I can't want peace more than the protagonist, more than the Security Council or the international community for that matter. So Anan resigned. Votos en contra. Russia and China have consistently vetoed resolutions calling on Bashar al-Assad to step down, arguing it would embolden the rebels and make the fighting worse, though that seems to be happening anyway. Opposition forces are turning captured heavy tanks back in the regime. And while the U.S. has said it will not supply opponents with weapons, the Obama administration confirmed today that non-lethal aid is fair game. Now, of course, they got to bring in a shill, and you will notice immediately that he's a shill just by the words he uses. Such as communications and intelligence, which this Syria expert suggests shows... Syria expert. And we don't have to say who these guys are anymore. Just He's just a Syria expert, and he's on Skype. The United States is anticipating a long, even bloodier fight. The administration, at least covertly, working with the Turks, the Saudis, and others, will seek to refine the capacity of the Free Syrian Army. But let's be clear about something. This could take a very long time. Yeah, lovely. Could take a very long the time. The long time meme is really in play. Yeah. So this, of course, um, triggers a General Assembly vote, which is all theater, and I will explain to you why, as I've read the actual U.N. resolution that they passed. The Syrian regime continues to unleash all-out assaults against its people. Heavy shelling was reported today in Aleppo, Homs, and Damascus. A world away in New York, a vote in the United Nations General Assembly has pushed Russia and China deeper into diplomatic isolation. And that's left everyone wondering, what's next? Our Middle East correspondent, Sasha Petrasik, is following today's developments. Sasha. Anne-Marie, as the Syrian conflict hit the General Assembly, the outrage was clear, not just at Damascus for its brutal actions, but at the UN itself for its inaction. The frustration came right from the top. The conflict in Syria is a test of everything this organization stands for. Wow. Did you hear that? That's bullcrap. Total, total bull. That's Ban Ki-moon, by the way. Yeah, he's another one. I do not want today's United Nations to fail that test. Ah, okay. Well, now we understand we don't want to fail the test. Let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. So we got a, a big, giant voting body. And they vote against something based on the rules of the body. Mm-hmm. And this against all everything we've ever stood for. I thought the democratic process within the organization is is what you stand for in and of itself. Well, it's very interesting to hear uh, the amount of countries that voted against this resolution. But the resolution itself has some details that are uh, 
just interesting, at least. Especially not, he said, in the face of brutality and possible war crimes. War crimes! Today's debate was dismissed by Syria as nothing more than hysterical theater. <laughs> Eleven other countries voted against the symbolic resolution, Eleven. including Russia and China, which in the past have both blocked any real attempt to pressure Syria through the Security Council. Behind the facade of humanitarianism, this is just support for the armed opposition, says Russia's ambassador. In the end, the vote condemned the Security Council's condemned. deadlock and overwhelmingly denounced the Syrian regime. So I, so I, of course, go and find the resolution that they passed. This thing, it says nothing. It's total bullcrap. Expressing grave concern at the escalation of violence in the Syrian Arab Republic, in particular the continued widespread systematic gross violation of human rights, continued use of heavy weapons. Expressing grave concern at the threat by the Syrian authorities to use chemical or biological weapons. What did they just copied CNN? Taking note of the report of the Independent International Commission on the Inquiry on the Syrian Arab Republic, which notes that the human rights situation in the Syrian Arab Republic is deteriorated significantly. This is the report that we read where they had one person, one person saying, yeah, I think I heard something. Expressing concern at the vulnerable situation of women in this context, being subjected to discrimination, sexual and physical abuse, violation of their privacy, arbitrary arrest and detention and raids. Uh, wait, I thought they were talking about America. Oh, sorry. Recalling all members of the United Nations shall refrain in their international relations from the threat or use of force against the territorial integrity. So that's what the body stands for. But now here at the bottom... This resolution demands that all parties immediately and visibly implement Security Council Resolutions 2042 and 2043, which is an exact copy of what I just read. So it's like, and they've already been passed. So it's implement these resolutions. Now, the only thing interesting about those resolutions is at the very end it says, uh, if, if all else fails, you can pretty much do anything you want to get this done. Uh, and it's all about the uh, the Anon plan. Uh, furthermore, point 12 calls upon Syrian authorities to immediately and fully implement the agreed humanitarian response plan, including by granting immediate, safe, full, and unimpeded access of humanitarian personnel uh, to all populations in need of assistance, in particular to civilian populations in need of evacuation, um, and an unimpeded access for affected civilians to humanitarian assistance, including airlifting. So this is kind of opening up the skies, if you will. And then at the very end, and this uh, goes back to your clip why, about him quitting at the end of August, all requests the Secretary General to report on the implementation of the present resolution within 15 days. So essentially, they've just uh, bought 15 days' time until the next crisis will come about. But the guy who loves this, for my punchline, is John McCain. Oh, my gosh. You know, I'll douchebag him up front. Douchebag. Senator McCain, what's your reaction to news that, that Kofi Annan is stepping down? Well, I hope that uh, what we knew would fail. <laughs> because uh, we wrote it in the script that way. Uh, and it would be uh, a motivation for the United States to be more involved. Mm-hmm. 
It's a motivation, John, for the United States to be more involved. Uh, in stopping this massacre. Massacre. Uh, the the uh, administration has been relying on sort of two flimsy reasons. One was that the Russians would convinced uh, Bashar Assad to leave, and the other, of course, was the Kofi Annan mission, both of which we knew were doomed to failure. We knew they were doomed to failure because it was scripted that way. We did? We knew that? He knew that? So Who knew that? John McCain knew that. He and his, and his we. We. We knew that. This will motivate the administration to become more involved, provide weapons, a safe area, and assistance to stop the massacre. And there's something, Massacre. Yeah, there's something about this safe area that I haven't been able to figure out yet. There's something about a safe area. It's got to have a pipeline in it. So <laughs> I don't know about that. But so, John um, McCain is so obviously a spokesperson for the military-industrial complex, it's just not even funny anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's weird. It's not I, weird. I never expected just because he lost that, or, you know, he... I mean, he's essentially, I don't know what he expects to accomplish. He's not, not doing much for his reputation. That's well, for you know, sure. the, the cyber bill also uh, failed to pass the Senate, uh, the cybersecurity bill. And the reason that I'm reading everywhere is because there were actually multiple versions of the bill. And John McCain wants his version passed. And the diff- the main difference between the two bills is the one that was before the Senate would have the Department of Homeland Security being in charge. And, of course, John McCain, his version wants the military to be in charge. So I think that's what's going on here. And McCain, is he's just always trying to sell the military. I don't know. It's it's something to watch. The uh, Charlie Rose on uh, after Onan quit did a, a piece on it with some guy. And if you want to hear some interesting, there's an interesting loaded term in here, and it's a, it's uh, you know you had a bunch of those clips, and there's they, they just will not never let up on some of these work. Instead of just reporting it, they have to they they have to use these these adjectives that are just ridiculous. Mark Lyle Grant is here. He is a U.K. ambassador to the United Nations. Today, Secretary General Ban Ki-moon announced a resignation of Kofi Annan from his post as Joint Special Envoy for Syria. Annan's decision comes as the situation on the ground escalates rapidly. rapidly. President Bashar al-Assad is rallying his troops with attacks on the city of Aleppo. New atrocities are being reported in the suburbs of Damascus. Tomorrow, the United Nations votes again on Syria. Atrocities? New atrocities. Oh, I'd miss so, that. So we don't even have. So the way the wordage is, it's not just atrocities; it's new atrocities, which indicates there's old atrocities, which means there must be just an ongoing atrocity. <laughs> it's all atrocities. Now, if they use the word, the more objective word of killings or or battles or fighting, no, it's massacre. What it is, massacre. But so so, these, so all the media outlets are using massacre. Yeah. They're using atrocities. Massacre. Not, massacre. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and and there's there's this new video which I, I don't even have a clip of it, uh, and it's showing uh, supporters of Assad being executed at gunpoint, but you don't actually see it. And they and they even warn you, oh, this footage may disturb you. But yeah, you, what we talked about in the last show to to an extreme. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. Yeah, but you don't, you just don't see it. You're not seeing. Well, they any claim of they took the part out where there's, you know, and it's it's it, yeah, it's like please. the rest of these videos. It's all. It's who knows. I mean, obviously the other side got a clue. Yeah, yeah. It's. Just... I mean, if everybody's doing this, it seems to me that somebody's having a meeting somewhere. Going, you know, it's amazing what you can do with the cell phone nowadays yeah. and and YouTube. 
Yeah. And can we? And I'm not surprised that the Occupy movement hasn't done more of this. <laughs> and can we just establish for once and for all that these hacker conferences, like DefCon and Black Hat, that they are bullcrap, <laughs> and that these people who run them are Adam little, at Curry dot com. You know, go ahead. I mean, it's not hard to hack my stuff, but I'm just calling you out as little weenie boys. And uh, and their shills, their shills for the NSA, and it's just don't well, go the to place these is conferences. crawling with spooks. Yeah, these, but don't these, don't go to these yeah. conferences. And I hear the 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 tech press just like, oh, it's so cool. I'm at uh, DefCon. Blah. Real hackers don't talk about it. The real guys do not go around attending conferences. It's just weenies. Yes, Adam at Curry.com. Go ahead. Hack all my stuff. Hack all you want. But leave the show alone, people. <laughs> yeah, leave the show alone, please. It's just, it's like, uh, it's just, if, I have to say it. I just have I to went say to DEF CON once. That's my point. I liked it. It was a fun show. Yeah, but it's just a show. It's not real dudes. There's a lot of interesting characters there. Yeah, they're just all there to get laid. <laughs> I guess you haven't been to one of these. <laughs> no, no, I would not. Uh, let me see. We've uh, let me see. Well, I got us. Here's a here's a new this new this story cracked me up. Tell me what you. Th- <laughs> so this area of Iraq, Iraq is considered like the you know the foundational uh, uh, Iraq. Sorry, Iraq is considered the foundational uh, country for modern civilization. Yes, the uh, the Sumerian tablets, and this is where civilization and, and, you know, and, there's, and there's yes. a, the the the, the, the Artifacts in Babylon are still intact, and there's, you know, it's a kind of a tourist place, and it's a beautiful area that people should visit if they get a chance to go there. And so it turns out that there's a slight interesting problem going on as they as they start to rip the place apart. The fate of the ancient city of Babylon is causing a diplomatic row between the Iraqi government and UNESCO, the arm of the UN responsible for preserving cultural heritage. Archaeologists say parts of the grounds have been torn up to accommodate an oil pipeline. The works are holding up the granting of world heritage status by UNESCO. (laughs) The pipeline will jeopardize the archaeological city of Babylon. We hope that the problem can be tackled by changing the course of the pipeline so it runs outside of the city rather than inside. (laughs) I love that. I've been there. When I when I went to Iraq in 2003, I went to that area. Well, they're running a pipeline right down the gut. Hey, can wow. we go around this 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 famous place? No, just run it down the gut. Nobody gives a crap. Hey, what's this clay stuff? Just just stop it tablets? out of the way. Tablets, knock them over. Yes. Hey, bring in the back hole. <laughs> oh God, we are such barbarians. We are horrible. Wow. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that's that's pretty funny. Uh, Another guess. pipeline right through the Sumerian tablets. Perfect. <laughs> just gut it. Go right down there. Why should we? It's going to cost an extra hundred grand to go around. Screw it. Back her up, Pete. Oh wow. Me 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 me. Ah, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> move over to Euroland. So uh, we have a new government in uh, Gitmo Nation uh, Suvlaki in Greece, and we have the uh, you know so we got new ministers in there and uh, uh, the. Uh, 
alternate minister of education, religious affairs, culture, sports, and uh, Cost, uh, his name is Costas Tav- Savaris. Hmm. Maybe he's a member of the group Tavares. Uh, guess what he is uh, now working very hard on to, uh, uh, it's a critical point for his country. What do you think they're working on? Well, they should be working on finance reform and mm-hmm. uh, probably yeah. uh, stimulus to get yeah. the economy going yeah. again, job yeah. creation, yes, that, that, yes, that sort yes, of thing. Yes, yes, yes. No. He's working on getting the Formula One to Greece. <laughs> How awesome Not the is World Cup? No, Formula One. How awesome is that? And Bernie Eccleston is, 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 uh, is going to visit, going to make it all happen. I mean, really? Do you do the elites have to lay it on that thick for us? <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, in Gitmo Nation, uh, stinky, uh, stinky cheese. Well, I guess long bread and stinky cheese in France. As uh, what's his face? Sarkozy has fled the country. Uh, where'd he go? He fled the country. I think he might be in Canada. Because, of course, he's being um, investigated for campaign uh, scammage uh, with uh, the yeah, He was millions. in Canada last time I looked. But he, I think he's – I don't know where he is now. That was months ago. Yeah, well, he's still there. He's still gone. By the way, just to talk, talking about fleeing the country, you know, uh, it, it's a report that Assad's gorgeous wife. Oh. She, she's split. She's in the Russia. Hottie? The hottie? Oh, yeah. Well, of course. You know, th- there's dust gathering in the pool. I don't want to hang out there. Um, so anyway, Sarkozy's wife, Carla Bruni, they have, uh, in France, erected a statue of her. Oh, why? Dressed up as a worker to symbolize the Italian women who came to France looking for work. What? Yeah. How awesome is that? They found some old sculpture from the from a sculptor from the uh, Stalin administration, or I mean, what would you have this? Is they she holding it. a it's is a, she holding her <laughs> arm out with a big hammer in it? I th- yeah, I don't know. That actually would be good. Let's see if we can find a picture of this sculpture. Let me see, Carla. I mean, I know they got a socialist guy running the place, but this is ridiculous. But can you believe? I mean, she. She screwed Mick Jagger. That's the only thing she's famous for, as far as I'm concerned. Well, maybe she should have a condom holding her arm with a, <laughs> with with a, a con- box of condoms. A big rubber. Let's see. Uh, there's, I don't th- I'm looking at images. Yeah. There you go. There's a picture of it. She's got like a, a sack over. She's got, she's got a big sack over her shoulder. Yeah, she's carrying a loaf of. She's carrying a, 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 a sack. Like 20 pound sack of wheat. <laughs> the heaviest thing she's ever carried this is were the worst d- statue ever. Her diamond earrings were the heaviest thing she's ever carried. It doesn't even look like her. Dressed up as a worker. I mean, the, the elites are just really rubbing it in your face with this. Look, I can carry a sack of crap. She's got a dynamite waistline, though. In the yes, statue, she's got like a twenty-inch waist. It's not even, thing. maybe fifteen. I, I think it's fine if you give me a small waist. <laughs> make my butt look smaller. <laughs> oh, thank you, elites. Thank you, elites of the world. You just make just made my day. Oh, there's a picture of her in a bikini. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Let me find that one. We need a picture of Assad's wife. What's her name? Ama. I, I think it's an Ama or something. Because we got the picture of uh, Assad's wife and Angelina Jolie kissing, we should we should have the three of them 
Carla Bruni, oh, Angelina Jolie. She really looks good in a bikini, this Bruni woman. Is that uh, funny? How come uh, my Google images doesn't show her in a bikini? Yeah, they, they profiled you as gay. It's <laughs> by curious. Ah. Only show him the bronze statue. Don't show him anything else. Oh, I see it now at the bottom. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Here's a better one if you go further. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, I see. The white one. The white bikini. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. I got to get me one of these president jobs. I think so Miss Mickey can walk around with a white bikini and make a statue for carrying some wheat. <laughs> this wheat statue is it's the worst. It's so wrong. It's the worst. If I was the French, I'd pull that thing down. I'd get a get chop a four by four, chop throw a off. chain around. The, well, first, chop the neck off, the head off. Yeah, saw saw that off. <laughs> One fell swoop. Yeah, we'll take it down. Here, Bruni, chop the head off, and then, and then what? And then pull it down, and then drag it through the streets of Paris. You know that. An interesting meme that's been cropping up, uh, Max Kaiser, I think, probably started a while ago, but people are now talking about how uh, financial crimes going back 3,700 years in world history have often been punishable by death. In uh, old England, um, counterfeiting money, you would get uh, tarred and burned at the stake. And I'm hearing this over and over, and I'm seeing people start talking about arresting oh, yeah. bankers and and. Well, they've been wanting to arrest should bankers there be, for a while. You know, uh, I think the meme is: should there be capital punishment for capital crimes, which I kind of like. And then oh, the cute. And who's on the Seven Hundred Club? Is that Pat Robertson? Yeah. Guess what country is getting itself out of a financial hole by some rather draconian measures? Well, Greece. No, no, not no. even close. <laughs> Iceland. 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 They are putting people in jail. They are putting, like, prime ministers being indicted. They're going after bankers. They're, the people really? said, yeah, they said, those yeah. banks were ripping yeah. us off. We don't like what they did. They brought our country to ruin. And now Iceland suddenly is turning around. Their GDP is growing. And I think uh, Pat Robertson's trying to start a little uh, little. <laughs> He's, he's a troublemaker, that old guy. I like that. You know, I think this is good. We should just, we really should be decapitating bankers. You know, <laughs> we should be doing that. We, we have to put a stop to a lot of these practices. It should. You know, we, we've got to get on this stick. I'm liking that. I'm liking this whole idea of going after bankers. It's pretty annoying, these guys have been doing to us. <sighs> Let's see. Well, what else we got? I got a, yeah, the, the clip of the, the, well, I, clip I don't of the know day? You, heard. you think you got clip I, of the day? I think day? the train nut. This is a long clip with, with a punchline, so don't don't step on it at the end. Okay. But this is a long clip of a guy. This has been around the net uh, of a of a so called foamer. That means a railway nut that gets to see a couple of uh, vintage engines go through his town, and he films them, and he goes nuts about it. Why is it called and, a foamer? Uh, it's from a. It's apparently a term that was used as a derogatory term, meaning of f- f- something. It's it's a, it's it's a, it's an acronym for an, for an idiot who likes trains and is as a, a is a moron. But they they've <laughs> okay. decided to take the term and make it a, a good term, so they call themselves foamers. Now th- there's some question as to whether this is legit, but it's so funny 
that I every time I watch I watch the clip, which is available on the Dvorak.org slash blog site and elsewhere, and a lot most people have seen it that have that keep up with this. Uh, but the guy goes so nuts over these trains that it's just quite funny. Okay. Ah, I've been waiting for this moment for months, and it's finally here. I'm finally going to get a heritage unit on camera. Yeah! All right. Look at that. A 1953 EA. Woohoo! Oh, yeah. Listen to that bell. Yeah, listen to that bell. Oh, take a look at that. Oh, my God! Listen to that horn! Oh, my God! Oh, she's beautiful! She is beautiful, yeah! All right! Oh, my... Oh! Oh! Oh, oh no, it's a PL2, too! Oh, oh, the SNC-52! Oh, my God! Oh, we're, we're going to watch this. Oh, this is special. This is special. Oh, oh that horn gives me the chills. Oh, and the chills have absolutely nothing to do with how cold it is here. Oh, oh, but that doesn't stop a foamer. Oh, especially when it comes to heritage equipment. Oh, this is fantastic. Oh, oh my goodness. Look at that. Blue and gray. Oh, coupled to the, oh, Iowa Pacific, number 518. Woo-hoo! Ah-ha! Woo! Listen to that horn. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Look at that. All right. Oh. I'll have what she's having. Wow, really, John? This is like the oldest clip in the universe. It's not that old. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why we are... The best podcast in the universe. What a jip. <laughs> what a jip. You edited that on the end and that's your big payoff? <laughs> wow. That's wow. the best I could do. Is this what you guys in the Dvorak family meeting discussed? Like, I got a great idea. Hey, let's, no, we let's, don't. No, no, no. I don't, get this, no input comes from the family regarding <laughs> what my clips are about. Let's get this clip that everyone has seen a million times. Yeah. You've, seen, you've seen this clip? Oh, yes, it's been around forever. Oh. Yeah. Uh, uh. Okay. We've uh, never played it on the show. No, no, for good reason. Uh, okay, let me get into some Drone Nation for you then. We have updated killlist.curry.com as, uh, of course, we had our Terror Tuesday. And we have had a U.S. drone stri- strike confirmed, kill an Uzbek militant leader um, who has We're no in name. Uzbek now? Uzbek, yes. Uh, Uzbekistan. In, Uz- in Uzbekistan, yes. We so have drones in Uzbekistan? We got drones everywhere. We, do, we got oh. bitches. And Yemen drone strike has killed five, so we're up to six this week so far. What's, what's, what is this drone kill? What is this called again? Killlist.curry.com. Killlist. Yes. Excellent. Excellent job. So uh, I guess in between uh, jumping off the couch and uh, cheering for a good a good vault by the U.S. team, President Obama had some time to kill some people with uh, with a drone. And of course, these well, are, we do know that he does has to have the list and he has to OK every one yeah, of these. And these are suspected, suspected. Uh, 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 terrorists. Yemen drone strike kills <clears throat> five U.S. drone kills 
strike kills Uzbek militant leader. Yeah. So we had uh, <clears throat> we had the uh, head of the ISI come to Washington was- to meet with the CIA chief. <clears throat> we, do we know? Hold on a second. This is still kind of interesting to me. Where was this guy killed? I don't see it in the article. In Pakistan, I think. No, no, no. This is a, the Dateline Islamabad. That's the guy filing the report. They were, they were, they're not going to be dropping a drone bomb right in the middle of the capital. No. Uh, from the, the guy was from the Islamic movement of Uzbekistan. And uh, it was a major blow to the Islamic movement of Uzbekistan. I'm sure it was, but where was he killed? <laughs> I don't know. It's not, I may not say. I'm looking. It doesn't say. Well, look, we don't even know if this is actually happening. It's true. It could be bull crap. It could be. Well, and this is why I bring up the fact that the head of the Pakistani ISI, their security services, uh, joined uh, General, or I'm sorry, ex-General, but now CIA Chief David Petraeus to talk about uh, dronage. Uh, well, at least that's what the uh, the ISI chief, he's like, you know, hey, could you please, like, ease back on killing our people? This is getting very annoying. And it's like, you know, and my people here don't like it. And so, of course, the compromised news service, CBS. And wait a minute. Why are we bragging about it? Say, let, let me just read this just from the New York Times. This makes me wonder. As a result, the members of the Islamic movement of Uzbekistan have frequently been attacked, frequently, with a... F, attacked by the CIA drone strikes, one of which also killed the group's previous leader. Just like always killing the second in command of Al-Qaeda. The previous leader, a charismatic preacher named Tahir Yuldashev. And what does it mean if he's uh, charismatic? What does that even mean? I don't know why they would put that in there. Because I guess he... um... Why do we even care if he's a preacher? Yeah. Now, then, preacher really is all a Christian term anyway. The Muslim uh, imams are never called preachers ever that I know of. Maybe somebody can correct me on that. So very, very, this I think is coded. So I'm looking, coded. I'm looking at Uzbekistan. It's next to Tajikistan, <clears throat> and it's uh, above Turkmenistan. I really don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's a pipeline tie-in. I think they're. I think we already made that clear on our pipelines. Yeah, yeah, but we don't hear a lot about Uzbekistan, and we should hear more because it's a cool name. Uzbekistan. Yeah, it is. And Uzbek sounds great. Anyway, so we get uh, the uh, Chief Lieutenant General Zahir ul Islam, unfortunate name, uh, the ISI chief. And he meets up with uh, David Petraeus, and we all know the message is uh, he is reportedly displeased with uh, the dronage that we're uh, uh, causing in, uh, well, we say Pakistan, but it's really Waziristan, where the TAPI pipeline is coming through. And uh, so we have to turn that around in the compromised media. CBS does a great job uh, by not even making it about the drones, just coming up with a complete unbelievable Haqqani propaganda PR to actually go and drone more Pakistanis. There was a lot at stake for U.S. troops when the director of the CIA, David Petraeus, met today with his counterpart from Pakistan. The United States wants Pakistan to crack down on terrorists who use safe havens in Pakistan to attack Americans in Afghanistan. Now remember, this was not what it was about. 
the guy came to Washington on his knees saying, please stop the droning. And now it's already been turned around at the top of this report to say, you've got to protect our troops. Tonight, we have a rare look at a terrorist safe haven in action. Ooh, John, a terrorist safe haven in action. Now, we've updated our video of the guys training on monkey bars to Rambo. David Martin has obtained video of a terror group launching a strike two months ago against a U.S. base. If you ever wondered what goes on in those safe havens in Pakistan... Why, in fact, just last night, I was lying awake thinking, what? Do you think What's go going on in, in those, those safe havens? havens? Anyway, look at this. Look at this. Terrorists built a scale model of an American base just across the border in Afghanistan. <laughs> this is they got like clay. There's a table with clay in a tent with little buildings on it. Ugh. And used it along with a satellite photo taken off the internet to plan a spectacular Ooh. attack. Spectacular. They may look like Rambo wannabes. And so now there's guys with two AK, AK-47s just shooting it like at a 45-degree angle into the air. I, I kid you not, with camos on. And like, they're not fighting. They're just like shooting, one in each arm. Complete Rambo. But this was a well-planned operation, Ooh. down to the American and Afghan Army uniforms they wore. Oh, so they, they, they even wear our uniforms. Interesting. The attack was led by this man. The driver of a truck loaded with an estimated 2,000 pounds of homemade explosives. His bomb was covered only by a tarp. So that we can't see that it's not actually a bomb. Yet he apparently had no difficulty driving across the border and right up to forward operating base Salerno. So he's literally, the guy is waving out the window, smiling to the camera as he's driving off with like a mattress under a tarp. And this video is outstanding quality. It's really well edited. And the driver boom. detonated the bomb, setting off a monstrous fireball, followed by a blast wave which rippled across the base. All recorded for maximum propaganda value. To be propagandized against the American people. Next, the propaganda value for CBS. Yes. The van carrying a 10-man suicide squad pulled up. So, so wait. So now they now we're led to believe there's ten guys piling into a Volkswagen bus, all in camos with weapons, and they're calling that a suicide squad. Their plan was to charge through a hole in the wall blown out by the truck bomb. But the attack stalled because, a U.S. official said, the bomb failed to breach a second barrier. The video doesn't show it, but all ten were gunned down. Oh, how come the video doesn't how show it? How come the video it? doesn't show how it? How come it doesn't show it? Oh, oh, fiddlesticks. Photos of the aftermath show the base mess hall collapsed by the blast wave. Two Americans were killed and 25 wounded seriously enough to require evacuation. It was far from the deadliest attack on American forces, but the size of that fireball and the resulting blast wave are dramatic proof of the threat posed by the safe havens in Pakistan. The attack was the work of a group called the Haqqani Network, which according to U.S. officials, not only has safe havens in Pakistan, but is actually supported by Pakistani intelligence. So I just found this to be so amazing how CBS News, the Tiffany Network, uh, the Morrow is turning in his grave <clears throat> as there's not, <clears throat> excuse me, not one single mention of why the ISI chief is here. He, he wants to stop the killing. And instead, they turn it around into this. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, See, I told you, I, I've always been convinced that CBS is as 
just as bad as ABC. I mean, NBC to me is just a arm of General Electric. As long as they sell jet engines, they don't care. Right. I, I don't think they're that into it. Right. But CBS and ABC are definitely. I have a, you know, when we go later in the show, I'll, I have a, an ABC clip, which is the uh, targeting what, Romney. Why don't we do that now and then we'll go into break? All right. Well, here's this is again a propaganda clip. I see. And I was looking at watching this thing, and this was on ABC on their 2020 or one of these shows, and it was and it was obviously designed to do associated reasoning or as an associated methodology to get people to to watch this about something that's not associated with any. I mean, it just seems like an objective report, but it's actually to get you to think about Romney. You know that another um, uh, senior ABC producer. Married one of uh, Obama's uh, advisors. Another one. Yeah, yeah. It's it, and that, of course, is so. Later, when we find out about how corrupt this was, they can't testify against each other. Oh yeah, husbands and sense. wives can't testify. Right, you can't testify. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so the idea is they, so ABC is going to start a campaign to to go after Romney in a very peculiar way. It's not a. It's not as if. Uh, I mean, it's just all associative because as you start watching this, you start thinking Romney because it's about Mormon polygamy. Oh. The golden grasslands of suburban Salt Lake County, Utah, are a land of secrets. Entire families living in the shadows to protect husbands and fathers from going to prison for polygamy. But today, there is one secret less. Very good. Here we go. Because Joe Darger is ready for his close-up. This is an act of civil disobedience, for sure. By the way, this is total porn music. Yeah, it's total. this is total. Not seventies. This is like nineties porn music. Kind of the, yeah, you know, the doom doom doodle Make you think about sex and the whole thing. Yeah, but listen to the listen to the adjectives and listen to the the associative material. And there's one little bomb in here that I'll talk about at the end. Joe is a polygamist. He has three wives: Alina, Vicky, and Val. And 24 children. But they're not like the isolated and old fashioned disciples of Warren Jeffs who shun the outside world and whose wives are covered from neck to ankle. Polygamists whose leader counted girls as young as 12 among his 87 wives and who's now in a Texas prison for life. We are law abiding in every other way. I'm in a felonious relationship. That's a decision we made. Felonious? What's felonious? It's a felon to be a bigamist, Ah. even in the state of Utah. But that is the bomb right there. Because if you recall about two or three, maybe two or three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, there was this thing where they accused Bromney of being a felon Uh because he reported his SEC uh, status inaccurately 20 years ago when he was with Bain. Uh-huh. And they, they, then the, the Republicans got all bent out of shape. You can't call him a felon. And they made a big deal about it because the Obama campaign said he was a felon and he says he's not a felon. They made a big deal. So now we have to revisit the felon concept with this report. We're talking about polygamy. The guy drops the felon bomb. The first thing anybody does, oh, yeah, those Mormons are weird. And, and I remember hearing somebody else think to themselves. I remember hearing about apparently uh, 
uh, Romney's great granddad was a huge polygamist. This is a this is a hit piece against Romney. It's really a chicken shit piece, and it's amazing. It went on forever. That's interesting. I'm in a fallacious relationship. I don't know if that's the same thing. Not yet. No. Uh, we're going to go to Salt Lake City. It might City. be eventually. So where was this? Because we're going to Salt Lake City. Uh, By the way, it is in Georgia. Oh, it's not even in Salt Lake? Not even Utah? No, no. In Georgia, it's against the law to uh, for uh, – it's considered sodomy. To, but to is, it, is it legal in Utah? Yeah, I would think. Polygamy is, is legal in Utah. Oh, no, no. Polygamy is not talking about – Fallacio. Fallacio, which yeah. is what you were talking about. But this this secret place that, that in this report, where is it's that? It's not secret. It's, in, it's not just south. Hello, of she said in the report it was secret. Oh, his house is secret. Let me just hear it again because i got to know where to go. Hold on. The golden grasslands of suburban Salt Lake County, Utah, are a land of secrets. See, land of secrets. The, the gold- land of secrets. That means there's a bunch of these... The golden of, gr- the known fact that there's a bunch of uh, I bet you, I bet you we could go camp there. They might have the Golden Grasslands RV park. <laughs> they might. <laughs> get up. Miss Mickey, get ready. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. Golden Grasslands. In the morning. So, uh, starting off with some of our... Uh, our supporters, Shea Marshall in Canton, Georgia, talking about Georgia, uh, $111.17. Disregarding Bogot, okay. So magic with a vote up for the slide whistle. I'm karmically uh, obligated to approve the slide whistle as I'm, that's why the seven is in there. We stopped doing that, by the way. No more sevens and and nines. I'm the one who bought a slide whistle for my good buddy and fellow contributor, Jonathan Dowdy whose previous donation and comment in turn prompted Adam's purchase of the slide whistle. Oh, okay. Well, you're If fault the whistle there. loses, then I'm to blame. If the whistle wins, then I'm to thank. Please give Jonathan some – you don't really think that we were going to – we use the slide whistle. I don't even use the slide whistle much anymore. I've moved to the harmonica. <laughs> Adam's on the slide whistle today. Please give Jonathan some well-deserved karma to help him out of his new career with a Mussolini slave girl and two to the head <laughs> – Oh, okay. The yeah. Mussolini's, yeah. And please provide my beautiful wife, Brianna, with a MILF call-out as well, which will ho- hopefully encourage her to listen to the show. Okay, let's see if we can do all this. Shut up, slave! MILF! That's one mother I'd like to. You've got karma. You didn't have the Italian part in there. Oh, Mussolini slave girl. Oh, jeez. I haven't clipped it yet. Okay, we'll do it later. John Leonard in Manhattan, Kansas, $100. This is our Dune, buddy, Dune Buggy Golf Carts. Ah, yes, yes. Shut you up, didn't want... slave. Sorry. DuneBuggyGolfCarts.com. If any No Agenda listeners buy a body kit or, com- or a complete turnkey cart, I'll share more with the greatest podcast in the universe, DuneBuggyGolfCarts.com. <laughs> That's our buddy from uh, Wichita. Nice. Thank you, John. Uh, Dave goes in New Lenox, Illinois, $100. Uh, Nicholas Oman, Thief River Falls, Minnesota, 7777. You guys really do make the greatest podcast in the multiverse. The best podcast in the universe. I think the universe is cutting yourself short. After Thursday's show, I felt like my value for value ratio was getting too low. So this is to top off the value meter. I'm also feeling the need for some more karma since the last batch worked. But... Seems to be running low, so a fill-up on karma would be great. 
Thanks for the uh, great show. Result is follow-up donation I sent out. Feel free to read both. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Right. 77, 77. Here's a top-up. You've got karma. Joe Cool Design in Princeton, Ontario, 72. Uh, a little behind in the show due to the golf season, but I've come up with a great revenue stream. Not a golf pro, but I'm a ravenous degenerate golf addict. Somewhere between 150 to 150 times a year, I'm donating 72 for some par for the course karma. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I think the No Agenda producers who, have, who golf should start to donate a score they wish <laughs> for karma. There you go. Well, that would be in, probably in the hundreds for most of these guys. Come back and donate what they actually shot. I think most golfers, especially avid ones, are usually filled with such a dense fog of self-loathing after a bad round that they would donate just to punish themselves. <laughs> a golf donation. I like that. Yeah. All right. So he needs a uh, shot of karma. At He needs to send it to Sir Coble and Minuteman Schultz for their support of Joe Cool Design. Yeah, Sir uh, Joe, Joe Cool Design, of course. You've got karma. Uh, here we go. Where's the bell? Here it is. Oh, yes. Bing, bing. Karsten Schwartz Nielsen, I guess, uh, in some place, which Denmark. I can't see. Denmark. Oh, he's in Denmark. Here's a contribution from a dirty old cheap Dane to, to the sin bin. Uh, 6969, please look to the origins of the Islamic Brotherhood since it sort of began in 1902. The history of this organization explains some of the stuff happening today. And keep up the good work on the best podcast in the universe. More Dutch lessons, please. Yes, and uh, actually, <clears throat> I would recommend you read the compendium uh, written by Breivik. Because that's actually a great compilation, which is what a compendium is, of the origins of uh, the Islamic slash Muslim Brotherhood. It's in the show notes. You can find it, but you can just Google it. It's uh, it's just a collection of Wikipedia articles, really. So, so uh, this is the sixty nine. If it wasn't One. for Karsten, Woo. yeah, we would have been out. It would have been over. And and so nobody, I, you know, I thought I was looking at some of the donations. I thought we had at least two sixty nine, sixty nines, but I could be wrong. Mm. Uh, there may be some missing donations that I have to look into. <clears throat> anyway, onwards, Jeremy. We'll we'll make it up to people who have. Uh, Wanted to uh, get something. I, I have to look into, some, into these uh, donations. Jeremy Slate, Hamburg, New Jersey, 5150. After donating last and asking for karma, I got a job interview without applying the next day after a phone call. Huh. I got a job the next day and two interviews at the second, of which I was hired, and now I'll be a social studies teacher at the Little Slaves at a high school. Once again, I asked for my karma or for karma for my mother, who's only 53, recovering from a stroke. Okay. 51. You've got karma. Make sure you uh, indoctrinate those little human resources. Yes, give it to them. Benjamin Hoffman in Munich, Michigan. 5136 took a year and a half, but proceeds from the noagendashopping.com finally ticked up to $50. <laughs> People can support the show at no cost to them by using Amazon through this site. Yeah, that's a, it's an Amazon so, affiliate code. That's how that's yeah. how bad that program is. I'm telling you, this is the typical. If you put an affiliate code out there, this is what uh, it make. will take you. This was not, 18 months to make 50 bucks. Yeah, no wonder Jeff Bezos has a crazy laugh. <laughs> okay. Amy Gamber in or Gamber. In Littleton, Colorado, right up the street from you, 
my husband, Brannon, is a big fan. We met Adam and Mickey last night at the Colorado meetup in Louisville. Uh, Adam, thanks for taking the time to sit and chat with our table. Brandon works for Jepson. He's the Jepson guy. Yep, yep. And he and Mike were the ones who gave you the no agenda aviation chart. Yeah. You know, somebody else gave, gave did a chart, uh, an aviation chart, and there was, and, and somehow I've lost track of it. it. Might be these guys. It really meant a lot to us. Hoping to get a little calmer for my husband because after working a long week, he's coming home to spend the weekend painting our house. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. What a way to do it, huh? Honey. You know, I did get you karma on no agenda, so you really do have to paint the house. It's house painting karma, honey. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Love that. Thanks, Amy. You've got karma. What a sweetheart. That's how you we do it. $50 from Sir Adam Kolb in Menasha, Wisconsin, and Sir, A- Sir Alan Bean in Oakland down the street here. Uh, $50. Uh, thank Mimi. He received his ring. He oh, cool. Thank Mimi. Mimi doesn't listen to the show much. She she may listen to the beginning and then she fades like everybody else <laughs> in the family. That is, some people the best stuff's at the end. Buzzkill Junior listens. Yeah, he says. Joshua Parker, <laughs> Las Vegas, Nevada, fifty dollars. Longtime boner, first time donor. I figured that I was willing to give money to a huge for-profit organization to help protect my Second Amendment rights. I better give money to protect my sanity and the only source of real news. Can I get a de-douching with two to the head? Karma. Yeah, absolutely. You've been deduced. You've got karma. Thank you, Joshua. Brian Watson in Raleigh, North Carolina, 50. Like to request that someone seeds SD Spivey's No Agenda multiple episode torrents, please. Oh, yeah, you got a that's a problem with. I, th- uh, I think we're on. Uh, I think we're on BitLove with our torrents, and they should work. BitLove. BitLove. Yeah. Keep up the Mitt Treat Williams Romney coverage. Forgot about that. Uh, loves the show, Sir Brian. And finally, uh, Philip Meeson in Welsh Pool Pows, uh, $50. And that'll be, we didn't have a lot of donors uh, on this show except for our, our nights. And we'd appreciate the people going to noagendashow.com, noagendanation.com, dvorak.org slash NA or channeldvorak.com and helping us uh, keep the show going. Yeah, we do have a couple of uh, on-the-spot donations uh, from the meetups, which is always highly appreciated. So, again, Chad Christian, uh, for uh, uh, value for value there, for paying for a new pump for uh, Mustang Sally's uh, automatic uh, power steering. Uh, Then we have uh, Rick Hainder. Uh, no note to read. Just wanted to see if you could, at some point in the show, play the evergreen clip where the countries that are to be taken down are listed. I want my wife to hear it. Can't find it on search.nashownotes.com. That's the Wesley Clark clip. We're not going to play the whole thing, but I did cue it up to just the seven countries. said, I guess if, if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem has to look like a nail. So I came back to see him a few weeks later. And by that time, we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, he reached over on his desk, he picked up a piece of paper, and he said, I just, he said, I just got this down from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense's office today, and he said, this is a memo that describes how we're going to take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. So uh, we're getting there. Just haven't gotten Lebanon yet. Everything else we're in. <clears throat> Kirk and Darcy Beery, they'd like a de-douching. 
And uh, by the way, uh, Rick gave us fifty dollars. Uh, Kirk and Darcy Beery deducing and some job karma. Oh, sorry about that. You've been deduced. You've got karma. And then we have uh, John Atama who uh, donated sixty dollars. And uh, Adam, here we go. Gotta take my glasses off. After years of listening, I can no longer consider bringing paying listeners. I can no longer consider bringing. Hmm. Something not as easy as it looks to read. No, uh, paying listeners to be my contribution. Here's a small token of my appreciation. Thanks for the hours of a, of great infotainment you and John provide. God bless, John Atama. Uh, please credit to Bernie. So I, that's interesting. So he, on on the spot and in the regular donations, that's very kind. Uh, we have uh, uh, that's uh, six dollars. Evan Montgomery. $60, Chuck and Inger Moe, $100, and, uh, oh man, my administration is a mess here. Uh, Adam and Mickey, congrats on your recent wedding, hope this helps for Petro, yes it does, thank you so much, it's a full tank of gas in, uh, in Mustang Sally. Then of course, uh, Devin Ostendorf, uh, who uh, gave us $666.66 for the Beef Jerky and Mountain Dew Fund, and uh, he will be knighted in a moment. Kelby Koning, who calls himself the future. John C. Dvorak. Uh, he's a farmer. He drove two and a half hours with his lovely girlfriend uh, to be at the meetup, $60. David uh, Cleaver uh, gave us uh, uh, four silver quarters. Chris Bruckner, uh, $100. And Chris, or Bruckner, I might say, welcome to Colorado. Hope you enjoy your stay and best of luck to you on the rest of the Hot Pockets 2009 tour. Encloses something to help you along, but don't forget the karma. Well, I'll make sure you get some karma right here, my friend. You've got karma. Scott W. Davis from Boulder. Gas money, 100 bucks. Thank you. And uh, Steve Arndt uh, gave us the mile-high donation of $52.50, three times a dime. And then Colorado Springs, we had uh, Joe Tallman, uh, who gave us $55. And uh, where is Joe's note? Uh, uh, you're right, John. It's not as easy as uh, you make it look. Yeah, here it is. This is the way I used to do it before we got to the spreadsheet model. I want to thank you and John for your show, as is really one of the few places that actually ask questions. Why did trying to get solid facts... Be- when did trying to get solid facts become out of style, or was it ever in style? Anyways, could I get a little Italian girl shut up slave to the head, ending with little girl excitedly yelling, yay? <laughs> uh, okay, let me see what I can do. We, the, oh, we used the yay thing for a while. What Do we have the yay thing even? Uh, yeah, no, we that... do. Have, yeah, 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 we got the yay thing. Hold on a second. So I know how to do this now. Uh, I've got this set up. So we'll do it like this. Shut up, slave! Yay! You've got karma. Come on, that worked. That was pretty yay. good. Yay! Very enthusiastic yay. Uh, Andrew Lemessony with love, $111.11. And again, thank you to Robert Seals for the gas money, uh, the dinner, and uh, for uh, putting us up in the cabin. We highly, highly appreciate it. It's great to meet everybody out on the road. Um you know, it's not about your donations, really. It's just about meeting you and finding out what you're, what you're into, what you've got to say for passing all of the USB sticks with the confidential documents. That's always appreciated. Uh, and, of course, we uh, appreciate you supporting our value for value model. Dvorak.org. 
slash N-A. It's your birthday, birthday. Well, really just one today. It's uh, Bernie Adama, who congratulates his son, John, who turned 30 today. Good seeing you at the meetup. Happy birthday from your buddies here at the No Agenda Show. And then we have two nightings to take care of. Uh, We have our Insta night, and uh, I think I should just uh, mention what uh, Chris the Viking has said. Back in 2005 on August uh, August 8th, I saw what I've come to believe was the biblical pillar that led the Jewish peoples from Egypt to the Promised Land. I am not a Christian or even a religious person at any level, mind you. I watched a silver or aluminium pillar go by over my city right at noon, and it was clear to me because of the path it took and the transparent look of it that it was in orbit. I could see the sunlight glistening on the three seams as it rotated as a barrel roll, and every 15 seconds it would become obscured by three very bright lights that were mostly, most likely the sunlight reflecting off some other part of its structure. I couldn't see for sure. These lights lasted around two seconds before they went out, and you could see the pillar again. I've seen satellites many times, and of course they follow in a much lower arc than this object, telling me it was a very, in a very high orbit. It was really big enough in my sky. It was only about, it was about four or five times the length of the commercial jets that fly near enough for me to compare. Now to take crazy to the next level, (laughs) second half of the show, I spent several years after the sighting trying to figure out what it is. I saw aliens, military, Nazis. I rested on the aliens, one for a while, and perhaps that's what they are, lords of other or from other worlds. Haven't gotten that far and don't think it will until it lands and explains itself. The thing that has dogged me since I've seen it included maybe the same pillar from the Bible is the seven-year thing. That's right, August 8th. It's been my prediction since around 2008. Pretty nervous about the time we're entering. So what he's saying is August 8th is when we will have our last show, which would make this the last show because uh, our next show is August 9th. Right. So he decided to become an instantite, and I think that's a very smart idea since the world is coming to an end. On August 8th, Mm -hmm. which happens to be my anniversary. Well, so at least your world's coming to an end. Hey, no. In the morning. So let's... Uh, Give yourself an in the morning for that lame uh, gag, okay? Yes, I did. Okay. All right. Grab your sword, will you? Okay. There we go. All right. So we would like Chris to step forward along with Devin Ostendorf. Please, gentlemen, thank you so much as you kneel down to become Knights of the No Agenda Roundtable. Your support of $1,000 or more for the best podcast in the universe is appreciated. It is our value for value model. So I hereby pronounce thee Sir Devin and Sir Chris the Viking. Sir Devin, of course, is from the Beef Jerky and Mountain Dew. And both of you can now sit at the round table for your hookers and blow, rent boys and chardonnay, beef jerky and Mountain Dew, or your wenches and beer. It's all here, along with the hot pants and booze. Thank you so much. We appreciate it, particularly in the dog days of summer when things are slowing down. Dvorak.org slash NA. Well, kind of while we're on that tip, John. uh, The tip about the flying saucer? Yeah, I brought this up on uh, the previous episode about the uh, getting primed and ready for this Mars landing. And um, we've talked about Project Blue Beam, Blue, Beam, Blue Beam before on the show. Mars landing is tonight at 10 p.m. West Coast yeah, time. 1 a.m. Uh, East Coast time. Right. So Project Blue Beam, uh, which the way I understand it, is to the, the idea is to surface some kind of extraterrestrial life into the mainstream media 
so that we will be totally encapsulated. Uh, our president uh, will have to, you know, take over full control of the universe, etc. But it's really a huge mind control um, project. Oh, I thought it was about the, the re-release of the series Elf. Yeah, no, not quite. But uh, here's what I'm seeing. And I have a, a, a clip here from maybe CNN. So this, I, I think this whole thing is really a scam because they've got these incredible videos. Uh, we've got the seven minutes of terror, which is just the most ludicrous thing NASA has ever said. Because there'll be seven minutes between the time the rover lands on Mars and but and we'll get pictures back and see if there's life, if there's little Martians running around. But they've got these amazing videos of the of the sky crane and how this thing is gonna come down. So it's already been kind of set into your mind. It's been you know, the whole you don't have you're not gonna see anything. I think you, what you're gonna see is, you know, some Static, flickering, it'll be completely Hollywood controlled, and boom, you're going to see like a planet. And who knows if they're going to go through with Project Bluebeam. But here's how it's being um, programmed into your mind. And I don't understand why we can't watch the landing. Because they're not going to show anything until it's actually on the studio floor. I mean, on the surface of Mars. Not just for NASA, but for the, the United States space program. Basically, uh, tonight, or actually uh, on Monday morning mm-hmm. at one thirty-one, mm-hmm. uh, NASA will get either a yes or a no from this robot, uh, the biggest rover ever sent to Mars, the most capable. And if everything goes the way NASA hopes, it could find out if Mars could have ever supported uh, life on, uh, on its mm-hmm. surface. Is this really what this is about? John, $2 billion to find out if there's dudes on Mars. Is that really what this is about? I mean, please, is this what we're spending our money on? Could you just explain that to me? I don't know what the point of this is. And the other thing is what gets me is that they made such a big deal about all these little mini robots that they used to send up to the little cars that, you know, that had, that had all these capabilities and they're very small and cheap. And they were cheap to send up Yeah, there. this was expensive. And all of a sudden we're... Now we're all of a sudden changed our with with a guy like Obama in office who's essentially cut funding to NASA, and now we're spending tons of money for this clunker, which will probably you know. Just, exactly. This is my trouble too. Well, listen to the report uh, uh, in the in the past or even now. And and so you you take that information and the answers from those questions, and what do you do with that? Well, NASA wants to know not only uh, if life is present on Mars now or was in the past, but it you know does that mean uh, that Earth isn't as special? You know, we have we have life everywhere. Uh, that Earth isn't special. Okay, this is what it's about. To, just to find out if we're not special on our planet, mm-hmm. uh, and if we find it on Mars. Or, or anywhere else in the solar system, it will help uh, you know them understand uh, you know what are the requirements for life? How does life evolve? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is there uh-huh. life uh-huh. somewhere else or yeah. on another star? Yeah. We need to understand life yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. All, right. uh-huh. All right. Here comes the terror. The seven minutes of terror video. You know what's interesting? NASA is NASA is making this a big deal. In fact, they're calling it seven minutes of terror. I want to just play a little bit of a video that NASA has released explaining all of this. And, and listen to the music too. This is they. Spent, they spent a large portion of this $2 billion on these phony videos. Take a listen, everybody. When we first get word that we've touched the top of the atmosphere, the vehicle has been alive or dead on the surface for at least seven minutes. 
It's alive or dead on the surface for at least seven minutes. Okay, so the seven minutes, we're not going to know what happens. What is the percentage likelihood that it's going to go off okay? Because we all get so used to getting the information. We'll expect pictures at some point and, and more details. I mean, you just kind of think it's going to go okay. Yeah, don't they have an Instagram account or something? Yeah, in fact, uh, this this seems to be <laughs> the most audacious way to land on Mars uh, that NASA has come up with. They're very confident. Uh, they haven't given actual percentage odds, mm-hmm. but they're, they're fairly uh, confident that this is going to work. What they, they're going to do is go from 13,000 miles an hour to zero in seven minutes using a rocket-powered sky crane that won't even touch down on Mars. It's going to uh, come uh, screeching out of the atmosphere, and then it's going to basically hover over uh, a, a spot, a gale crater. This is the spot right here on Mars. Okay. Uh, and it's going to lower this one-ton rover. This is so ludicrous. A sky crane is going to hover. It's going to drop the thing down, and this and we've, we've we've seen all of this because they're showing the video, the NASA rendered 3D video. Would you? But you, you, you're being tricked into thinking it's actually happening because now you've seen it, but you won't see it down on cables. Yeah, and then as soon as the wheels touch the ground, it'll send a signal to the to the sky crane. It detaches cables, flies off, crashes the rover. You know. Uh, switches on, turns on its cameras, 17 of them, and starts beaming back pictures to uh, to Earth. Yeah, so we don't, they, they can't have the cameras during the spectacular sky crane landing, or we can't have cameras on. Not until it's on the surface of the studio floor. This whole thing is bogative. <laughs> it's pretty sketchy. It's a big sure. scam is what it is. Well, we're gonna have to watch it play out to see what what's going well, on. Well, if all of a sudden we, you know, this will be the only question: is is there life on Mars, or was there life on Mars? I predict they'll probably find that there was life on Mars. You know, they'll find like some, you know, Legos or <laughs> Legos. <laughs> they'll find something that Martian kids left, and that'll be the start of Project Bluebeam. You should Google Project Bluebeam. It's very interesting. It's from declassified well, documents. I'm not making it up. Well, it's mostly from uh, one guy who promoted it, uh, who who got he got uh, suicided. Mm-hmm. Let me just read you from uh, the Rational Wiki, which has a little bit about it. It's a conspiracy theory that claims NASA is attempting to implement a new age religion with the Antichrist at its head and start a new world order via a technology simulated second coming. Mm-hmm. The allegations were presented in 1994 by Quebec Quebecois journalist and conspiracy theory Serge Monast and later published in his book Project Bluebeam. Proponents of the theory allege that Monast and another unnamed journalist both died of heart attacks in 1996, two years later. They were, in fact, assassinated. In addition, (laughs) the Canadian government allegedly kidnapped Monast's daughter in an effort to dissuade him from investigating Project Bluebeam. The project was supposed to be implemented in 1983, but was delayed, (laughs) then set for implementation in 95 and then 96. Monas thought Project Bluebeam would be brought to fruition by the year 2000. So uh, that's, I think, what we're referring to. Yeah. Well, it would be a perfect timing. We've had the big um, Illuminati, you know, uh, what do you call it? Olympics. Uh, what was that? The opening ceremony? Yeah, by the way, I got a thing from the opening ceremony they finally made. It's a big scandal. Do you have the clips in front of you? Uh, I do. You got to play this one. Indian woman in red. And listen to the key word. 
This mystery woman in red caused controversy when she joined the Indian delegation at the Olympic Games opening ceremony, which was watched by millions of people around the world. Madhura Najendra has now come forward. She's an Indian student from Bangalore. In her hometown, she apologized for what she'd done. Considering the fact that it's, it's, it's a huge event, there are thousands of people across the globe walking towards it. Uh, in an error of judgment, I resulted in walking with the athletes. Uh, in the eventuality, uh, I've heard the sentiments of my people, my brothers and sisters, for which I extend my apologies. Madhura was actually one of the many cast members at the event, but she got a little carried away and decided to join her country's delegation. And in doing so, she secured her own place in Olympic history. She's a cast... A cast member? Yeah. yeah I heard, I heard uh, somebody else from the... Cast. That was at the podium. Call her a cast member. Cast member uh, from the acting troupe. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Wow. So now there, there's an. There, I don't know what the point of the, some of this is, but you know Disney, of course, came yeah. up with this idea cast in members. Florida. Yeah, cast members. Yeah. When Disney built their, uh, they made a deal with uh, the state of Florida, but they, but they had in Florida onerous labor laws, and so you'd have to pay more than Disney wanted to pay anybody. Right, and so they came up with this theory that they could make them everyone a cast member. They were not employees; they're members of an acting troupe. Right, so it's di- including different. the people who pick up the gum. Yes, <laughs> and and so and you, when you walk around Disney, you see cast members only signage instead of employees only. It will say cast members only because they stick with this. They don't. They're not breaking rank on this, and so they don't have to pay people as much money. It's a very interesting scam. And the state said, "Sure, whatever, just build, build, build." Yeah. I would like to mention that, uh, of course, we're just two old guys talking about a theory around Project Bluebeam. Uh, the younger cast member here on No Agenda, Buzzkill Jr., just sent me a note. He says, here's what's going on with the rover. It's a huge overpriced project intended to fail so as to cut all budget to NASA so the money can go to the private sector like SpaceX. We are no longer allowed to dream. <laughs> he always puts some little cornball thing. In like I that. like that. You got a good kid there, John. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's Buzzkill Junior. He yes. came up with that. Sure. Yeah. And that now that is, I'm more inclined to buy into that. I actually think that's a pretty good theory because that that does pull the plug. Oh, these guys are just wasting our money. Yeah. We were made the, and Obama looks like a genius because he knew in advance that NASA was a waste of money. And and, that's, and, and so that's good. I'll take that. You can put that in the book, actually. Well, little Buzzkill Junior page. So okay, so it's it. either, here we go, it's either Project Bluebeam or it's destined to fail. Either one of those. I like the destined to fail, but how could it, fa- we'd ha- would have to have, I, it would be. During a- the seven minutes of terror. Yeah. It just blows up. Let's face it, that contraption is ludicrous. <laughs> it would be such a waste of studio space and time, though, not to flip on the cameras at least for a minute. Could, it, may, well, I've, it would be funny if they had like, uh, well, uh, it landed, but the the wheels broke and the tripod is all crooked. <laughs> they have a showing a, <laughs> so a slanted a video of a rock. Yeah, right, slanted. Yeah, we can't make it move. It'll be very, but you know, one thing's for sure: a lot of stupid slaves are going to be watching live tonight. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> really exciting television. Ex- well, it could be riveting. It, you know, we can't. It could. Well, if they make it all, look at the th- the three D video that NASA has produced is good stuff.
I mean, they've got sound right effects. They've got you know the the entry into Mars's atmosphere. What kind of atmosphere does Mars have? Actually, they show this capsule like burning they have up. Almost no atmosphere left. Well, they but they show it's like yeah because they have global warming. Oh wait, maybe they have to prove that global warming ruined Mars <laughs> well, that because because of all the Martians. It has no magnetic guts, and so that's really what what happened. The, the atmosphere has been wiped away by the solar winds. How do you know all this? This is a known. This is the problem with Mars. It's got no. Wait, you were going to say fact? Oh, yes. The science is in. John C. Dvorak, Martian scientist. Actually, everybody knows that. Yeah, everybody knows it's science. No, there's no. They don't have a magnetic field to protect them. So then, how does this thing even? How can it be going thirteen thousand miles an hour down to Earth, Uh, to Mars? I mean, how does it work? How does the science work? Go down and crash is what it's going to (laughs) do. The crane is going to malfunction. Oh, good one, Buzzkill Jr. So um, we'll see. Well, we'll know. We'll know by the next show. Oh, no, I'm sorry. There's not going to be a next show. The atmosphere of Mars is relatively thin and composed mostly of carbon dioxide. Oh, it's just gonna, it's yeah. not going to have any. It's just I'm telling you, this thing's going straight down. Boom. It's just going to crash. Seven minutes of terror. <laughs> <laughs> the seven minutes of terror. So uh, I got, I've got an update. Oh. On Libya. Oh. So we know what's going on in Libya. Uh, okay. I'm looking for it. It's at the bottom. Uh, no. Just above tax the German rich. Oh, yes. Ready for it? Yeah, I hit it. These images of Muammar Gaddafi injured and stumbling, a spectacle of a tyrant's violent death. A few weeks later, the president of the National Transitional Council restored Sharia law, as called for by many Islamist revolutionaries. He spoke of a return to polygamy and outlawing divorce. Sukaina says it's setting women's rights back years. Was woman created to stay at home, to have children and cook? Of course not. And this speech did not respect women. It's hard to stomach and we will not stand for it. Sharia was always present in some way in Libya, but it could now become so in every aspect of life here. Libyan women all now wear the Islamic veil, the hijab, which most did not in the Gaddafi era. Many women say they are disappointed by the concrete results of the revolution, but all agree they've gained one precious thing, the freedom to speak out. Yeah, that's really, yeah. that really worked out well, didn't it? Yeah, worked out. another winner Yeah, for Hillary. And, and McCain. Yeah. Good job, everybody. Because Hillary wants to promote women's rights, and now they all got to wear a, the hijab. The hijab. Nice. And they would be, then they have to, they get beat up and whatever. The, uh, you know, this is pretty common. So, um, yeah, that was a good one. And, yeah. of course, she, the woman says, well, at least we have the right to speak out. Yeah, that's going to last. Yeah. Yeah. Speak out about what? Like, boy, this hijab is warm. <laughs> <laughs> that's about all you can say. So that's our Libyan update. Yeah. Update on the false flag in Arizona. And now it is time for some other news. Sources say that the man accused of shooting former Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords and 18 others wants to plead guilty. Jared Lee Loeffner will have a chance to enter that plea in court on Tuesday. NBC News correspondent. Interesting. He wants to plead guilty now. Hmm. He wants to plead guilty. He wants to plead guilty. Please let me plead guilty. There was a very interesting theory. I think I tweeted it actually. Um, about uh, the Joker and how this probably went down. And the theory involved scopalamine. Yeah, scopalamine. Scopalamine, which uh, is often prescribed 
to people who have motion sickness, but also post-operative uh, nausea. And, of course, uh, its side effects include disorientation, blurred vision, dilated pupils, hello, ring a bell, confusion, hallucinations, dizziness, rapid pulse. You to say. Yeah, hallucinations. Yeah. Uh, but there's this there's this whole theory, which is very, very plausible, actually, that there was uh, actually two shooters, two henchmen, and that this guy was just basically propped up against the wall and just just waited there because he was completely doped up. Well, they're, they're, they're take that a little further to another piece of information that keeps cropping up. And we had uh, – I think it came in in one of our emails from one of our listeners that was in the area – about people that have go- went to the went to the uh, hospital with with injuries, mm-hmm. and the injuries were not from bullets; they were from shrapnel from a bomb. Oh, really? I didn't yeah, see that. Email. One of our listeners said that, and the doctors have been talking about. There's no this is this is shrapnel injuries. They're on the legs and around from some something that exploded, huh. and nobody in the local media, according to this article or according to this uh, note. Uh, is covering that part of it. They just it's been blacked out. Interesting, but I still can't figure out why. You know, if if it was really meant as a, you know, other than getting ratings for CNN, which they haven't come in yet, but I'm sure CNN did blockbuster for about a week. Was it sweeps by any chance? Did we have sweeps? I don't week? think it was. Did we have. I wonder. Sweeps uh, doesn't usually take place in this during the summer seasons. Let me just see if we can get uh, recent CNN ratings. I just don't understand who would benefit if this truly was uh, fake, and there's so much pointing to it. There's just so many open ends and loose ends and weirdness. Well, I still think the possibility exists that it was a, it was an assassination of one of those people, and it's been covered. It's covered up by the the, the the whole scene. You know, one of those ideas where you try to kill somebody, but you don't want anyone to know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just. Possible. Yeah, possible. Yeah, there's really not any. There's no current. I think the ratings, we have them on Monday. Well, they said the, the CNN certainly benefited, but it seems like a, quite a stretch, you know, to kill all these people just for some ratings. But, yeah, cra- no, I don't think that was it. Well, crazier things have happened. You know, it's a lot of money involved. So are you hearing about, I think, one of our new targets, even though it's not on the list of seven, uh, seems to be Belarus? No, I haven't heard this. Are they next? I think so. Play this clip. Could it be the first time ever that a country has been terrified by teddy bears? Possibly not. But what's clear is the drop of some 800 or so fluffy air intruders over Belarus last month has led to the fall of two of the country's top defence chiefs. They got the axe this week after a fuming president, Alexander Lukashenko, scolded authorities. The two Swedish advertising employees behind the bear drop said the aim was to embarrass Belarus's military, seen by many as the core of Lukashenko's power. A dictator can be feared and he can be hated, but when people start to laugh at him, his days are numbered. Despite initial denials, authorities were forced to react when news of the pro-democracy stunt appeared on the Internet. Dropping teddy bears. So they took a private plane, (laughs) flew it over the capital, I guess, and dropped 800 teddy bears on the public. (laughs) To show that they don't have any air defense, and nobody, you know, I guess risking the 
a, a missile. We can get you anytime, bitches. Anytime I we want. I think the whole thing was orchestrated by us. Oh, well, it seems like a like something we do. Yeah. If the teddy bears were made in China, <laughs> they were dropped from an ultralight. So they dropped all these teddy bears, and now the whole country is falling apart. So hmm. just seems very sketchy. Supposedly they're two Swedish advertising executives. What the hell they got to do with anything? This whole thing is just, if you start following the story, you'll it's, a, it's just a total head shaker. It's like, no, uh-uh, wrong. I do want to get back to the Joker for a second because there is some distinct evidence of what this is being used for. Before it's a crime, it's pre-crime. So there's a lot of weird language in this clip from uh, Pooper. In fact, uh, the clip is named Pooper Promoting Pre-Crime. And uh, see if you can help me figure this one out. Could I have done anything? Or did I see anything? Did I miss anything? Is there anything that gives, that sheds any light on motive? He left school a month ago, so that clearly indicates that something wasn't right. I'll be willing to bet there were warning signs out there. Maybe there's warning signs that, in hindsight, you could have seen. We start to look and, like, what could we have done? I get it. To prevent this from happening. Uh, Last night, our Denver affiliate, KMGH, broke the story that a University of Colorado psychiatrist that the suspect was seeing was so alarmed by his behavior that she told the campus threat assessment team or beta team about it. Why is it called a beta team? Campus threat beta team. No, it's the campus threat assessment team. Now, they've had this, uh, I think, since Virginia Tech. Colleges around Gitmo Nation, U.S., have uh, threat assessment teams, but they call them the beta team. And uh, well, we'll listen to the rest of the clip. Maybe we can find this on the Book of Knowledge. But I don't understand why it's called the beta team. There must be a reason for it. This was a team that the psychiatrist, Dr. Lynn Fenton, seen there, actually helped set up. Now, according to KMGH, this happened in the first 10 days of June. June 7th is when the suspect bought the assault rifle he allegedly used. June 10th is when he dropped out of the university, which is apparently why the beta team took no further action, because he dropped out. The university says their people did what they should have done. Here's what the Denver Post is reporting. Lynn Fenton said back in 2010 to the school's Academic and Student Affairs Leadership Committee about how to deal with threats. Quote, generally, if you think the threat is imminent, call campus police. If you think it's best to involve the beta team, contact Lynn Fenton. Campus police first if you think it's imminent or the beta team. Did she think the threat was imminent? That's really the question here, given that the suspect had already left the university. The question is, should Dr. Fenton or the beta team still have called the campus police or possibly even local police? Beta team. Beta team stands for Behavioral Evaluation and Threat Assessment. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Well, there you go. We're going to have beta teams everywhere. Mr. Curry, the beta team has determined that uh, you just might be uh, a threat to society. Right, and when you put the person on the air, you play the clip, so I do not know my line. (laughs) Uh, Is this a clip I'm supposed to be looking for? (laughs) It's right there. I can't see it. So, so, oh, I so, you said it wrong. Here it is. What's my cue? You know what? It doesn't matter. I don't know my lines. So I, I found this clip as a, as a teaser for the 30 Rock show, and I said, this is an evergreen clip. We it have is. to put it in the pile. It's in the evergreens. Let me put it in right now. That's a good one. I so don't know my lines. Well, I um, I, 
This conversation on my lines. This conversation on Pooper continued with some experts, and uh, essentially what they're trying to do now is say that you know the, uh, when a beta team is alerted, then if you're under psych- psychiatric evaluation or if you're seeing uh, if you're just talking to a therapist, which you could also pronounce as the rapist, but if you're seeing a therapist, um, then uh, that information should be allowed to be made public. It should certainly questions were raised. <laughs> Is there is well, there a confidentiality thing about calling the police? You know, not the, at that point, Anderson. You know, let's assume that certain things we've heard so far are true, although we don't know that they are. Which is that Dr. Fenton alerted the beta team at the university that she had concerns about Holmes. At that point, that she decided already to breach her confidentiality to share certain information. If she did, that's the point at which the information that the team had becomes protected by a federal privacy statute called FERPA. It's the Family Education Rights and Privacy Act. Generally, student education records are protected. The universities can't release them. But if there is an emergency situation, if there is a significant or or articulable threat, the team can reach out to community resources, community mental health, local law enforcement. It's also possible under FERPA for the team to have potentially contacted Holmes's parents. You're allowed to contact the parents of dependent students. Now, I don't know if Holmes was a dependent of them, but he was 24, which means he could have been. And at that point, FERPA would have allowed contact with the parents, Mm. potentially there. So I think the university couldn't have controlled him once he withdrew, but it certainly had some options to impact on him. It had control over his transcript as well and whether he could ever access that. So it did have things that it could do, and I agree with Barry on that. So this is very interesting, this FERPA, which is something we missed. It came out uh, last year, August 2011. The Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act is a federal law that protects the privacy of student education records. The law applies to all schools that receive funds under an applicable program of the U.S. Department of Education. But apparently, it gives uh, the schools the right to release this information. Yeah, this is not a... All the privacy acts, it says privacy. You know it's not about privacy. It's bullcrap. Yeah, it's... It's uh, just the opposite. Yeah, it's exactly. It's... uh, Here it is. Um, Generally, I love it whenever they say generally... Inter alia, schools must have written permission from the parents or eligible students in order to release any information from a student's education record. However, FERPA allows schools to disclose those records without consent to the following parties or under the following conditions. We have school officials with legitimate educational interest. Okay. Other schools to which a student is transferring. Specified officials for audit or evaluation purposes. There you go. Audit. Appropriate parties in connection with financial aid to a student, organizations conducting certain studies for or on behalf of the school, semicolon, accrediting organizations to comply with a judicial order or lawfully issued subpoena, appropriate officials in cases of health and safety emergencies, there it is, and state and local authorities within a juvenile justice system pursuant to specific state law. So basically, you have no privacy. They can just release everything. It's what it sounds like. And we just missed this one. And it has a cool name, FERPA. FERPA? Privacy Act. That was one I was looking at the other day. It was some same thing. It was said one thing, and you read it, it's a, just the opposite. Yeah, like Internet freedom. Yeah, and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just get back to uh, uh, Buzzkill Jr. for a moment. My God, that guy is good. So he says... And this makes so much sense with what I'm saying. They didn't even build the lander. 
<laughs> they didn't even build it. They just were going to report that it failed. Because of That's course, the, we haven't actually seen it. We've only seen 3D the, renderings seen of it. The, you're right. We've only seen uh, 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 renderings. Let me see if the, there's got to be a picture of... Let me see. What's Not it curious. called? The Mars Rover uh, picture. Show me the Mars Rover. Oh, it's only renderings. Let's see. J- at JPL. Huh. They, oh, they, you know, he's... Damn, that kid is right. Here, dude, put the put in Mars Rover and then... Uh, I'm just looking at the official website. The official website doesn't I even have, have a, a real picture. picture. Of it. I have a picture of it. First images. There's a picture in the Christian Science Monitor of the thing. Yeah, how, does it big? Does it look like uh, like Spinal Tap? It's huge. <laughs> no, it looks like the real deal. I, I believe we do have it. I think he's wrong on this. Mm, and this wrong. is just a mock. This could be just a you know a, a kid's model, but it's but it's big. That's my point. I mean, it could you? Ex- now here's another picture of him putting it. The, but the best picture uh, is. Yeah. Here's the best. Here's what you do. Go to just put Mars rover in the regular search, and then click on images. Yeah. And you guys see this one picture of the of the of the of the aliens on Mars with their <laughs> Yankee go home thing. This is like, oh yeah, <laughs> Yankee go home. <laughs> it's like Occupy Mars. <laughs> Mars for Martians. It says. Yeah. <laughs> very funny. Very very funny. Uh, Sir Gitmo Slave, I'm not sure. Miss Mickey was talking about doing a No Agenda Producers update uh, to update on the Hot Pockets tour after the show on the stream. Uh, so just Skype her. I think she's inside. And uh, as we draw to a close here, I do have um, one, there was a, a, a the FBI. Just going back to kind of false flags. There was a congressional hearing. Representative Frank Wolf kicked this one off. And besides the fact that he can't seem to pronounce Alaki, uh, we know Alaki uh, was uh, the Amer- wasn't that the American citizen who got droned and his kid got droned too? Yeah, Alawaki or Alwaki? Alawaki. Yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, that guy. So Representative Frank pronounces it in an interesting way, which should just be the new name from now on. Um, but the FBI apparently had an arrest warrant and dropped it conveniently. Oh yeah, no, this is an old story. Yeah, but it's just it's like a couple. It's from years ago. But it's just now being uh, reported no, on. No, no, it was. But you weren't listening to enough right wing radio, or or there was some, or maybe it was left wing radio, or maybe it was democracy. I don't know. But this was a very well discussed story in the media underground. It just wasn't mainstream. Interesting. I didn't know about it, so here it is. Finally, I'm concerned that the FBI may not have provided, and I think this is very important. I'm concerned that the FBI may not have provided the commission with a full accounting of its prior interactions with Alakwe, including the Alakwe. notable mission of Alakwe's return Alakwe. to the U.S. in October 2002 when the FBI dropped an outstanding warrant for his arrest. Imagine if that warrant had not been dropped, and it would not be good if the FBI had not communicated to uh, Judge Webster uh, the full county of Alakwi's prior interactions. Now, it is also possible there's just another guy named Alakwi, and they're talking about some other dude. <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't know I this. I still think it was an extraction. I mean, I could be wrong, but I've never for a minute believed that they actually blew the guy up because it would be a war crime, and it would probably be punishable by all kinds of different things. 
especially since he's an American citizen. I think the whole thing was staged, and they pulled him back, shaved his beard, and put him back in the service. He's living right side of uh, – he's right out there in Virginia right now as we speak. You know, you must have downloaded a big picture. Did I break up? <laughs> no. You're, uh, you got helium. <laughs> uh, well, that's too bad because I thought my analysis was good. Uh, no, we all understood your analysis. It didn't quite have the punch, though, when you're talking no, five no, octaves. No, I'm not like this. <laughs> I see it. It's always been that way. It's <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not going to reconnect. I think we'll just leave it this way for the end of the show. Okay. Okay. Um, let me see what else did I have. Uh, we had, uh, yeah, there's this uh, bogative uh, news agency. Let me see. Probably JC who downloaded the big file. Yeah, probably. Uh, and there's a uh, Health Day. Health Day is the name of this uh, n- n- uh, I don't know, healthday.com. Let's just go check these these dudes out for a second. Hold on. Health day.com and this has been propagated yeah who's running health day i see this is the stuff that pisses me off when i'm on tour i don't have time to look at all this daily health news for consumers and medical professionals let's see management team let's see who's in here so you take a look at that and i'll here's the report headline uh fluoride free bottled water is harming children killing them <laughs> well what it's doing is uh, it's killing their teeth you shouldn't be giving your kid bottled water it has to be from the tap it has to be the fluoride coming from what they put in the water here's who's on board this management team here a bunch of journalists and yeah, journalists exactly ceo of reuters health oh this is complete ministry of truth here here, oh, we have a little video, health headlines. Oh, this should be good. Let's... Hi, I'm Dr. Cindy Haynes of Health Day TV. Making Hi, Cindy. This week, experts sound the alarm about psychological abuse in children. Could some energy-efficient light bulbs be harmful to your skin? Yeah, you think? And why Parkinson's patients may want to start their day with a cup of coffee. First up, the American Academy of Pediatrics warns that psychological abuse may be the most prevalent form of child abuse and neglect. Well, yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> You're an idiot. Psychological abuse might be the biggest form of psychological abuse. What a great what a, this is fantastic. Our products, consumer this is this is the ministry of truth. This is you gotta be looking at these guys. It's not a not a doctor in the house. They're all just journalists. A bunch of writers that used to write for the medical page. Yeah. Dun and Bradstreet and subsidiaries. Yeah, Jeff Walsh, one of the original founders of Health Day, has more than 30 years of journalism experience. Actually, the only doctor is that one you just listened to. She's Dr. Cindy. Yeah. She's Health Day's <laughs> chief medical officer. She's the CMO. <laughs> Dr. Cindy. Sounds better when you say it on the helium. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Cindy, come here. My knee hurts. <laughs> Then I do want to thank uh, Hillary Clinton for uh, uh, putting together such a, a great bogative. This is amazing. So Hillary is now being credited for reuniting Sudan and South Sudan, but no, but there's no agreement. She just gets up there and says, "Well, this is great. We've got an agreement, and it's all perfect." But there's no agreement. 
She is floating around Africa doing something. Yeah, well, she's got to, like, organize all the Texas oil companies and all the pipelines before she gets out. I guess she has some cleaning up to do. But South Sudan will transfer $3 billion to Sudan as a financial grant over the next three years, basically to just move it through. And they're only going to be paying an average of $9.50 a barrel. Wow. What are we paying now a barrel? A hundred? No, it's about 89. Okay. Close enough. So where, where, does, nine bucks. where does it get marked up? <laughs> Who's doing the, the markup on that? The middlemen. Wow. It's just a, a barrel of oil. is just a barrel of oil. I don't know. So wherever the whole world, the whole world is picking up on the tax the rich meme, and it's showing up on the socialist, very socialist news stations. Mm-hmm. Now that they're going after the Germans, just play this little clip and just think about it for next next show. For that, we demand a tax on wealth. Angela Merkel is on holiday and wasn't there to see the German Scrooge McDuck dish out his fake gold. The German authorities have taken on the rich, some reportedly paying for information on tax evaders. A recent international report claimed a wealthy global elite have 17 trillion euros stashed away in tax havens. Hello, hey citizen. Hello, citizens. The wealthy elite have all the money. You are being screwed. <laughs> Seventeen wow. trillion. Hello, oh, citizens. Citizens of Gitmar Nation, Deutschland. You must hate rich people. Hate rich people. We already do it in America. Very good. Very good. Carry on. Nothing to see here. This is bad. <laughs> totally bad. Wow. Can't the Germans come up with something else? Their own thing. Now, we lead the way in memes. Yeah, we're we do. the meme meisters. We are the meme meisters. Uh, all right, then. Uh, I guess we'll just wrap it up with some uh, Agenda 21 stuff. Uh, you know, yeah, USDA now looking. I, I keep forgetting to bring up Eric's Agenda 21 problem. Well, it'll be very interesting to hear it in this voice. Well, I don't want to do it in this voice. That's right. the problem. You're going in and out. So it, sometimes okay, well, let okay. me just say this. On Thursday, it's not anything that, that needs to be rushed into, but on Thursday, I'm going to reveal how they're screwing the public. The U.N. is screwing the public of Washington State in particular, but apparently all over the country, and making him pay. They're making him put a meter, starting with putting a meter, a meter on his well. <laughs> Wait a minute. A, on his own water well of, uh, that he drilled into the ground? Yeah. Wow. And and they're going to charge him for it? Yeah, yeah. No. Yes. That's... And this is going on all over the country, and it's all part of sustainability. He tracked it right back to Agenda 21. And I'll talk about this in more detail on, on Thursday. I will say the number one most frequently asked question at the meetups, John, is uh, here it is. Is John ever going to do his special Scholastic episode? The answer to that is yes. <laughs> In the morning. And when you say it like that, we've got to believe it. It's well, a fact. It's a fact. Yeah, because... Uh, the science is in. we got a lot of people who are very interested in that, John. The, the, you've teased it so many times. They really are interested. They want it. So bring it I, on. I, I'll make this. You know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to pioneer something on the show. I'm going to create a package. A package <laughs> with a donut. So the USDA, the United States Department of Agriculture, 
uh, is looking to approve Monsanto's drought-tolerant corn. Of course, because of the drought, which is all linked to uh, you breathing, uh, they're going to approve drought-tolerant corn. So well, corn that hello. <laughs> corn that doesn't need water, apparently. It's crazy. This is not not good. Um, and then this uh, CBS, the Compromise News Agency. This is uh, I'm, I got to ask you a couple questions, uh, whether this is true or not. But uh, global warming is killing the fish, John. And I just and uh, this is ask John because you know more about uh, biology than I do. If this it can actually be happening, the government gave us a new report today about the drought. It- so the government, so that it started right. The government gave us a new script today with the package that we're going to play for you. Now covers more of the lower 48 states than at any other time on record. So first of all, do you know if this is true and that this drought is is uh, worse than any other time on record? I don't think so. For nearly a quarter of the country, the drought is extreme. Jim Axelrod found that it's even hurting people. Oh, wait a minute. He just said it there. Did you just hear it? He said for nearly a quarter of a century. Wow. Yeah, they don't want to go back to the 30s. Wow. That I did, Let me hear that again. Quarter of a century is Tw- like... 25 years. Yeah, that's nothing. Yeah. But it sounds but, good when you say a quarter of a century. Well, first he says ever, and then he says quarter of a century. I didn't even hear that the first time. Let's listen to it. The government Ridiculous. gave us a new report today about the drought. It now covers more of the lower 48 states than at any other time on record. For nearly a quarter of the country, the drought is oh, extreme. I'm sorry, quarter of the country. I thought, I, okay. I thought I said quarter of a century. My mistake. Jim Axelrod found that it's even hurting people on the water. 90 miles southwest of Chicago, signs of this cruel summer float lifelessly on the water. We were 108 down here for four or five days in a row. Tremendous heat. Fishing guide Buster Colgin hates what he's seeing on the Illinois River. Every morning there was a lot of dead carp floating down the river. Just because it was too hot? Too the hot. water was too Extremely hot? too hot. So because the water is too hot, the fish are dying? You just go deeper into the water when it's too hot at the top. They're saying because it's five degrees. Well, listen to the report. I I can't. It's hard for me to believe this. Hotter, shallower water has less oxygen. The fish suffocate. Is this true? Is this true? John? Fish? Yeah, the the fish don't stay there. That's the point. They swim away. They swim away? Where do they swim to? Any place. I mean, it's like unless they're in a pond, there's plenty of places to go. Wow. Well, they're saying because of, of global warming, the oh, fish are oh, dying. It's been hot before. It's di- The fish are dying. <laughs> and the, the chat room says it's true. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> We're not eating fish this week. <laughs> it's the war on fish, my friend. It's all over. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, if you are a fisherman, I'd love to know. Do the fish just swim away? Or do they or, or do they suffocate? Or do they just suffocate? That's what we'd like to know. Please let us know. Uh, so, uh, right after the show, after we have everything uploaded, we uh, rehitch uh, the Sin Bin to Mustang Sally. We're on our way to 
Glenwood Springs, Colorado, which we will not make tonight, but we will uh, be there. Spending a lot of time in Colorado, suspiciously enough. It's a big state, John. It's a big state. And uh, so we'll be traveling on I-70 westbound uh, towards the great state of Utah. But first, Glenwood Springs and Aspen. We got a couple meetups. So right after the show on NoAgendaStream.com will be the No Agenda producer update with Ms. Mickey, Gitmo Slave, Mr. Oil, etc. So stay tuned for that. And remember us at Dvorak.org slash NA. Our value for value model keeps us rolling. Coming to you from Gitmo Nation, Stargate up there in them hills. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where there's no such thing as a Stargate uh, around here anyway, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Thursday, right here on No Agenda. Ladies and gentlemen, please rise for your Gitmo Nation National Anthem. In the morning, Gitmo Nation, we are all charged up to be. Human resources and servants in all lands and all ships at sea. From the east to west, down under to the lowlands and beyond. We are happy and distracted slaves. Here are Gitmo Nation songs. Matter. I don't know my lines. Dvorak.org slash N-A